background information. This is the second pod in two days for me. This is exciting. It, I'm pod podding back and forth. Uh, uh, just came fresh off of the last or uh, the Life is Strange discussion with Bayou, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, it was honestly one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. But we are not talking about Life is Strange anymore. We are talking about arguably the most controversial game the last I don't know. 10 years potentially but before we get to that one i want to introduce a very special guest a long dear mutual of mine a fellow uh chi chi uh discord member uh it is not other than blue eyes white faggot or jordan how are you doing today hey how's it going um my name is uh blue eyes white faggot <laughs> it's great to be on the third place yeah we- um it's specifically blue eyes, white faggot, and you have to capitalize the B in blue, white, the W in white. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you gotta, you have to do it right. No, I'm, I'm really excited to be on. Um, I love this show. I love video games, <laughs> uh, and I love uh the Chi Chi Chat. So this is <laughs> got you mid drink. Um, but yeah, no, I've uh been listening to your show since the beginning. And uh, I'm excited to have, you know, you brought me on for a light one. Not, nothing <laughs> yeah, minor difficult one. to get through. Not like a ton of stuff to talk about. Not a like a gigaton of baggage to unfold with this product. No, not at all. It's the most happy-go-lucky thing ever. Uh, no controversy, nothing whatsoever. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I will save that discussion until we get to it. But as I do with the show and with all the guests uh i always ask what is your gaming history and i want to know your history jordan where does it start um so for gaming um the so i was not allowed to have a console for the longest time but the first gaming thing that i was allowed to do was my dad was really early into like pc stuff like i don't know uh, he was like an early tech adopter Mm-hmm. So I played um Mech Warrior. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and it fucking it, it was really hard and cuz I was like really young and uh he would install cheats so that I could play like the story mode or whatever. Or not the story mode, the campaign. Um mm-hmm. but like with like invincibility or whatever and I was like, "Oh, this game's way better now actually." <laughs> Fixed it, dad. Thank you. Um so we I played a, Mech I we played love Mech- a gamer dad love that we even did like a few uh like lan like between me my sister my dad we did three little three mech uh local uh fights or whatever which you know didn't last very long because there's only Mm -hmm. so much novelty to that yeah uh so there's that i played um early on 19 battlefield 1942 yeah that early one is the 42 is the first one. Yeah, yeah, that had like a million mods and everything. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah so I played that and, um, you know, would that would be one that we would literally just like hop on a local area, like multiplayer mm-hmm. and just kind of like run around the island and like crash planes and like, you know, ride a Jeep over like a, you know, like it was the kind of early sandbox, just fuck around mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Um, I, I said with Bayou that Battlefield is the perfect game for like a young, anywhere from like a young mid middle teen to kid because it's like you get to drive plane, drive planes, drive tanks, drive jeeps, blow them up, and blow buildings up. It's it's 
quite literally the perfect like boy t playground game and then you get to like shoot guns like i i have fond memories with battlefield it, it has all the verbs that like young boys want which is uh shoot <laughs> explode mm -hmm. jump mm -hmm. uh, plane <laughs> die <Yeah. laughs> bomb bomb make bomb happen <laughs> yeah. um no but like that was a really big like uh just kind of play around in the thing so i was always like given access to pc games that were kind of like above my like ability to understand because i was just kind of too young like i played a bit of deus ex mm -hmm. um but i didn't get very far because i was like a child so i would just be like stuck in the sewers talking to a bunch of like poly polygonal uh <laughs> like heroin addicts like you know future heroin addicts or whatever <laughs> and they'd be like you know all i have on me is like this <laughs> you know bag of dust and then you'd kill mm -hmm. them and like take their bag of dust mm -hmm. um so there was that sort of stuff like i remember him being like you know rainbow six there was like a rainbow six game and he's like you're not gonna like it it's just like not it's not gonna be fun <laughs> to you and it wasn't it was like too extreme and i couldn't understand it um mm -hmm. but like the first thing that i had like ownership over really was a n64 uh-huh um but like my the games i had for it were um some of the ones that people talk about but like i never had golden eye which everyone yeah brings up with really fondness and so like i wish i got into it but that's a game that's hard to retroactively go back and like yeah it's find age. the love for it's aged like milk uh well, people, it's it's so cool as to what it did mm -hmm. like to move right. forward first person shooters yeah but I think people don't understand it's like especially in this day and age where first person shooters have been perfected in terms of controls if you go back to goldeneye it's like literally uh operating like a like a horse drawn carriage but you're also blindfolded and also the horse uh randomly jerks around and uh you have to like it's just yeah, imprecise yeah. in such a strange way yeah i mean goldeneye was the perfect game for the right time and everything and i don't think i wouldn't say like i wouldn't tell anyone who loved golden i'd be like well actually you're kind of retarded for liking this because it plays awfully but it's like it it was needed for the time especially for consoles because consoles were still struggling with the concept of first person shooters yeah no i mean there was really no other alternative so like you know hats off i will tip my hat i'll bend the knee to the king get it golden eye but i had uh my main games on n64 were the tony hawk one and two ports which uh -huh. noticeably did not have full video so uh -huh. the intros were the music uh played with like demos of people doing like lines as the characters yeah. <laughs> in the levels which was actually kind of cool because you got to see like expert level play yeah. early in the game so you'd be like oh i know kareem campbell he's the guy that does like a 360 shove it into a crooked grind around the bowl at a uh, the competition place yeah and so that is kind of a specific i didn't even realize it had full video until i was listening to i think maybe even your your thing where you mentioned like yeah the full motion video in tony hawk one i was like what the fuck <laughs> where was that? that that was that's an integral part of it because like the game they always have the intro movie, which is just a it's a highlight reel of all these skaters, and every every game had its own unique one, uh, with a different song. So like oh that, yeah, like I have vivid memories of Tony Hawk Three, where Ace of Spades is the intro song. Yeah, 
So yeah, it, Ace it, of Spades it, fucking gets me hyped to this day. Yeah, it's it's that because that was pretty. I'm pretty sure that yeah, that was the first one I played. So I was like, this is the coolest thing ever made. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the first one. So I played one and two without those intros, and then I played three on a PS2. So imagine going from an N64 Tony Hawk two to mm-hmm. a PS2 Tony Hawk three. I felt like I had been like shot a million years into the future. And I was like, you're getting full motion video. You're getting lifelike graphics. I can see pores on these people's faces. The Canada <laughs> level, there's NPCs. Yeah, like... the, the lumberjacks who like shit talk you. And like, yeah, <laughs> but you can knock them over as part of a challenge. It's great. It, Tony Hawk 3 is. I, I think it's honestly probably it's a perfect game in my opinion if you want that retro arcade experience it's nothing can really beat it i mean granted to- those tony hawk games were kind of perfection it's like and it's like how do you keep leveling up perfection it's like impossible yeah but they but somehow three, did it three has a great weight to it too where it still has some of the sluggish especially like the earlier part it, it, that's like a stat thing that i feel feel like the games do which is that at the beginning of the game when you have like a low stat you know mm-hmm. ceiling you, you kind of feel a little smaller like you can only like oh i can't really 360 out of a grind or whatever yeah. and then towards the end there's that kind of like oh well you know now i can fucking manual across the whole map and it doesn't even really move the bar um but like three still has like a groundedness to it that even in four starts to start slipping Mm-hmm. weirdly thug i i mean i your episode on thug does the justice for tony hawk underground that like i've always wanted i that was that was a huge game in my development uh <laughs> in my gamer uh library that is in a you know leather bound tome on a special pedestal <laughs> yeah uh i i just because tony hawk 3 was one of my first vivid game memories granted outside of twisted metal and like i remember like my earliest memories it's like i remember a army a army toy like army little the army men had like a series of games on the ps1 i remember that my (laughs) my best friend growing up he would always want to come play it it's like well i want to blow up cars in twisted metal matt like what are you talking about and then we would ultimately play twisted metal 3 co-op like all day uh hell yeah i also i I can't remember if I shed it on the show, but one of my first gaming memories, it's really, really cringe, but I do remember playing a Sesame Street uh, PS1 game. Uh, (laughs) I remember. Yeah, sorry. I I have no uh, cringe filter at this point after (laughs) being such a fervent defender of Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I'll get to it. uh, But yeah, go on. Sesame Street PS1. I remember this, I and it's funny too because I only have one specific memory. It's like I remember playing part of the game as Big Bird, and that was it. That's there's like my memory erased that game from an existence. I remember my dad's PC. We had a CD of a Hot Wheels game. I remember oh, that. Fucking Hot Wheels games are low key really good. There's a, uh, a Hot Wheels uh, Unleashed or something like that. There was a Hot Wheels game that I really played, like played a lot, and it was good. It was a decent uh, racing game. Is it this one? X- no, uh, no. It's it's um. It was like red. It was like maybe PS. I was PS two. I'm gonna I look just, it up. I remember this one specifically. Uh, I showed Jordan uh, or Taylor. Oh my God. I'm 
I haven't even drank that much and I got your name wrong. I'm sorry. You uh, got Taylor. my name wrong like the whole time and I was just gonna let you do it. Yeah, f- fuck you. Uh <laughs> whatever. My name is my name is Taylor. It's uh Blue Eyes White Faggot. That's it's your boof. That, that's your that's your legal name. Um <laughs> but I was showing Taylor uh it's a Hot Wheels game I remember playing vividly as a kid. I think I rented it from Blockbuster. It's called like X Velocity Maximum Justice. It's Whoa, like the... <laughs> that's a title. <laughs> yeah, for a... it, 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 it has a story, mother. It has a, <laughs> it, 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 has, mama. <laughs> it, it has a story. Let me tell you, like of some like like whippersnapper little t- blonde twink. Uh, having his father's garage being uh, broken into and he has to stop the bad guys while doing sick flips across the map it's like baby's first twisted metal uh that sounds fucking sick it's kind of raw (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i'll be really this game is very raw (laughs) yeah it's raw okay it's a little you know it's a little jank it's a little quirky it's a little (laughs) <laughs> for the crazies and the, but, the wacky but, girls but I, I i like whenever you want to talk about like your early game memory i swear like you you want to say like oh i played this kino masterpiece like that was actually my first but it's like i guarantee you like uh with bayou last week he talked about playing the incredibles uh video game and playing those like movie tie-in games and i know oh. for a fact so many people played movie tie-in games as kids I fucking I played the shit out of the Rocket Power video game. Oh, you you just unlocked a memory. Oh no! Deep, deep, scary memories of skating around or like hoverboarding around the map on these like barren Nickelodeon inspired <laughs> maps, and there was like this whole subplot with like yeah, yeah, the uh, it's always robots or something. Yeah, totally insane, totally bizarre nonsensical just an excuse to make a quote video game it's so it's all it's just but you just want to see squid uh do uh eat shit consistently because that's what he does in the show the reason i bought the rocket power video game was because i was at the uh the grocery store the game store uh and my dad was like you can pick one game and i was between i wanted some sort of action sports game and i was like okay well I kind of in the idea of surfing is kind of cool lately. <laughs> so I was between Kelly Slater's Pro oh, Surfer. Yeah. Oh my god, I remember that too. Between that or Rocket Power, and my idea was like, okay, well, Rocket Power is clearly the right idea because those kids <laughs> do all the sports. And on the back, it was like you can play all these different sports. Little did I know that it was just the same mechanic with like a different skin underneath your feet and like slightly different like um uh like surface tension (laughs) uh slipperiness basically listen your young child brain like mine said well rocket power is cooler because they had an episode in the show where they uh meet tony hawk and he uh has leukemia skin uh he's fucking loved rocket power actually it was like (laughs) really good although it did give me like unrealistic expectations like tony hawk where i'm like why am i not able to do a 900 i can barely ollie (laughs) Yeah, oh my God, that, that's 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 a topic for another day. But in the Rock Tower keep... episode, <laughs> <laughs> that that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, but so we go from yeah. sort of that Tony Hawk realm for the Taylor journey. Where, oh sorry, you know, I want to move on. Okay. No, it's okay. Sorry, N sixty four. That was a great intro to console. I'm gonna start picking it up. Uh, <laughs> from from there, I was uh my my next step was a PS two. Uh, mm-hmm. I was given um, SSX, 
um Sean Palmer's snowboard or whatever. Oh my god, you, you you and I had a very similar childhood. Yeah, we had all the uh the et cetera uh sports games. Um <laughs> and then all early into my PS2 was Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> ah, <Sean> Palmer's, <laughs> yeah, got... you got the physical copy. That was that unlocked uh because I was a snowboarder at the time and I felt more proficient at snowboarding than skateboarding. So I was like, maybe I'm pivoting to more of a snowboard guy. <laughs> and, uh, and then I was like, oh, they got a Tony Hawk for snowboarding. Psh, snowboarding's yeah. in. With <laughs> with young Sean White in it too. I remember that. I was mm. like, who, who's this little baby like in the character roster? And, and it's like he's gonna amount to nothing. Yeah, he's the Griff Simmons of Sean yeah. White. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, no, but okay. Sean Palmer snowboarding is it's a little jank because it was more or less putting the Tony Hawk formula on snowboarding and that kind of doesn't work a little bit but man oh man did that game have like the best soundtrack to like an eight-year-old oh yeah it's like all these like you know hard rock bands yeah Static X oh they have a DJ in this rock band (laughs) (laughs) um so there was uh Kingdom Hearts was like a huge breakthrough moment where that was like the first like JRPG kind of like long form game that I really got like into you got infected and I have a Twilight Town oh my god (laughs) is uh uh do you have Roxas and Shion eating ice cream on there Uh, no 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 um <laughs> that's uh, for later no that's that's um my tramp stamp um, <laughs> but uh yeah so kingdom hearts one was huge like i would bring the booklet to school to like sketch characters from the like you know the info page of like this mm-hmm. is sora he's a a boy on an island dreaming of <laughs> adventure yeah exactly so it's like so kingdom hearts like captured my brain in a way that like games hadn't necessarily as far as like plot ones yeah yeah um that that seems because i don't think i think you and i are the same age now granted i didn't get to kingdom hearts much later after being a fervent mocker of kingdom hearts until an ex of mine got very offended that i made fun of it um it's so easy to mock uh yeah because there are a lot of retarded moments look look at it yeah. Listen to it. It's so easy to make fun of. It's not yeah. like you're. <laughs> yeah, it has, it's, Final Fantasy meets <laughs> Disney characters. That's like already like the funniest thing ever. But I, 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 I want to make it very clear. I am a Kingdom Hearts defender now. Like I am now a defender of this series because you do not. There are very few examples. Like the only other one I can think of is like Metal Gear Solid, where it is a multi-decade running story that has continuing new plot threats introduced it goes back in time introduces new characters it rewrites parts of the story it has continuity problems it has time travel it has it makes my face feel like flush when i think about like the complicated lore of kingdom hearts i start getting like like frustrated (laughs) like hot-headed you smell colors uh, seriously like plastic starts burning somewhere and i'm like what the fuck (laughs) you have to think about all these goddamn subplots yeah you have to think about the infinite uh, infinite versions of uh xehanort that just continually keep popping up that you know repliku yeah replicant riku that every time i have to say that 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 phrase i like 
I have no one P- should have to know. <laughs> I have I have PTSD saying replicant Riku. I have to like the 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 keyblade, but the key you know, the key there's the key oh. there's the keyblade, and oh. then there's the keyblade, which is a completely different thing. That the, ha- the gorilla grip also just the idea of a keyblade had on my like little like I think so I came into uh, Kingdom Hearts around fifth grade is specifically when I started playing it, so that was two thousand five. So I was late to it too by release because I think it came out in like two thousand. Okay, so you're the same age, but. I remember friends who were into it. I I remember in high school, I had a good friend of mine who actually helped build my gaming computer. Like he was, I remember when Kingdom Hearts 3 was properly announced, he lost his mind and he was like 18, 17 years old and he still not had lost that passion for it. Even though like if you met him, he would not be like the Kingdom Hearts fan that we all know when you say Kingdom Hearts, yeah, like <laughs> I, it took me a while to understand the power of that series, like why everyone is so fervently defenders of it. You know, it is a game series that you has endured more shit talking thrown at it. Some cases merited, I will admit. Uh, Goofy taking a rock to the cranium, uh, and then pro- uh, Proto dying. And then coming back ten minutes later, oh, he's fine. Like, anyway, then the Mickey's Mickey's line, they'll pay for this. Yeah, <laughs> my God, it's in, it's insane. And then the Dude, Uta- Mickey swearing vengeance over Goofy's dead body is to, it's just to... a it's a drama that the American audience would not sorry the American like creative team in Disney would never give you. But no, you can get that from Japan because they're like allowed to like just do these do- things. That like Disney would never allow in house, but for some reason they let the licensing go. I don't I don't know how they got the deal. Listen, Tetsuya Nomura is very quiet, but he's also very powerful. Uh, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> he's got an aura. <laughs> <laughs> he has a, he has multiple belts and zippers, and he will he, <laughs> he has he has a new plot twist out of there. What's in all those will... pockets? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we go from Kingdom Hearts. Uh, right. where, where do we go from Sora, do, Sora, Goofy, and Donald? So after Kingdom Hearts, uh, I'll skip from PS2. Basically, I started doing um, like computer, like Steam was kind of taken off. And my dad was really into Steam. So he was like, oh, I'll set you up with your own account. I'll I like, love, you know. I love that your dad is a gamer dad. Oh, yeah. No, he like he was completely like... Um, an early adopter and like giving us so i also had a game boy but all those games sucked except for pokemon so like i didn't really get into handheld stuff like mm-hmm. i had like a tony hawk port you're talking about the ssx port and i was like i know exactly the type of game that a 3d sports boarding uh, game gets turned into yeah it's, and it was awful but that was like my first game boy game i was like man my standards for what was considered good was low oh yeah and it's like well it has chiptune rock music so it's pretty <laughs> cool um <laughs> i'm like i'm like going through my game boy little my my case that is literally from second grade oh my fuck oh shit yeah that's the but, pencil case that is yeah. the pencil case and everyone listening is getting some nice asmr as i go through all these cartridges that i never gave away i don't know why i never i never gave away all my game boy games some of my psp games are sent in here good for you honestly because i i feel bad for every game i've definitely squandered or ruined 
Uh, we're pulling from the grab bag. We have the Game Boy adaptation of Shark Tale. <gasps> Fucking Shark Tale! <laughs> I played that. I played that piece of shit. <laughs> uh, what else do we have in this little grab bag? We have Sonic Advance 2, uh, based, red-pilled, uh, great game. We have Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, Resh- I can't even pronounce his name. Reshef O Destruction? What? Uh, <laughs> I had two Yu-Gi-Oh games. What the fuck was wrong? Oh my god, that was my Yu-Gi-Oh phase. I'm a, I'm also a huge Yu-Gi-Oh head. Um, and oh, yeah. the name Here is, it is not a lie. Here's the oh, for the cartridge. And, and same, it's interesting because it has the same art as the cover of the other one, and yet completely different gaming. Yeah. <laughs> and and to reference the Last of Us too, it's almost as if you weren't always promised what <laughs> the game was advertising that you would get. Oh yeah, no, totally like. This is a some this is something that like younger generations don't understand because like mobile gaming nowadays is like on par in many cases with modern visuals. It's like when you had a Game Boy or a PSP or a DS and you were promised a portable version of your favorite home console game, your mind began to think, "Wow, I could have I could have all these like amazing games on the go and it's like no you don't you get like a watered down version that's like barely considered passable to what, like... what's even crazier is that I like believed it even after first playing it and like was like oh no it's just different I just have to get used to it yeah like and I was like oh no I have to learn Tony Hawk again that's all yeah and I was like, like surely it'll become fun <laughs> Yeah, surely. Well, will it become fun? That's something for the. That's something we have to decide for ourselves. Uh, but as a nine-year-old, I'm like, damn, I'm having the greatest time on the go. Yeah, exactly. It's like uh, I could be staring out the window of this fucking minivan, or I could be listening to this chip tune music. So yeah, I'm having <laughs> a great time. Yeah, we, you know, the gamers win again, as it were. Uh-huh. Um, so from PS2, so actually interesting JRPG thing, got got Kingdom Hearts 1, it was taken away to worlds of fancy and um, escapism of which I've never experienced before. This is like groundbreaking. I'm like, wow, I cannot imagine like the idea of being um, on an adventure this grand is so exciting. Mm-hmm. So I see a game that looks kind of similar because a guy has a thing that looks like a keyblade in the cover, Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. So I buy Final Fantasy X. It is turn-based. I've never seen a turn-based game before. <laughs> and I hate it so much that I scratch the copy that I have. Holy shit. And t- tell my mom to bring me back to Walmart so I can uh, return the game because it's scratched. Which there's no... Realizing that there's no way that that would happen like production-wise or whatever. Because it's clearly it was just like someone scratched the shit out of this. Um so I, I I brought it back to Walmart because I was so disappointed with Final Fantasy X. Oh my god, that is violent! I can't believe you went so. It, the fact that you had to play <laughs> turn base made you want to physically harm a C, a DVD ROM. I was DVD like, ROM. I'm, I'm gonna ruin this game for everyone. Uh, <laughs> and and I went back later. Final Fantasy X um kind of reintroduced me to like a JRPG like turn based sort of thing in a way because that game is so friendly. And I played it in like a, a winter of depression, and it like was so perfect for it because it just is this like colorful, exciting, uh, easy to understand what's happening next. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like such an exciting like console JRPG thing. So I later came back to mm-hmm. Final Fantasy X, so I love it now. 
but at the time wasn't loving that I couldn't swing my little sword when I wanted to do. <laughs> um, so I played, you know, console stuff. Uh, big jump was to, again, yeah, PC. My dad had uh, Steam. And so I played like Half-Life and like um, the original Counter-Strike a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, Counter-Strike Source was like oh, yeah. a really big like social development for mine because I mm. like got into like mod servers and I was in a clan um, <laughs> uh, and I developed like really strong social ties with these people that I like this was the first time making like internet friends that you like you know come home and like instantly hop online and like start a voice chat with me like oh hey what's going on blah 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 and you'll just like ambiently chat with while doing like you know homework or you know mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was like a really big uh thing for me was i was in like um specifically it was a clan that came out of a type of zombie server on counter-strike source mm-hmm. that was unlike the um the type that was like uh you shoot vending machines to block doors and windows uh which i found those so fucking stupid and dumb and not fun um <laughs> but it was called zombie evo and if anyone has ever heard of this fucking server please let me know because this was like the place i basically grew up uh but it was this it was this counter-strike source server that i hung out on religiously and it was just like a zombie evolution like it was the head crabs from half-life 2 Mm -hmm. um basically and then they would like multiply and like the in waves and become like a larger threat and uh you just you know on counter-strike maps yeah um but it was just like it was such a weird like first social immersion into just like oh i'm like in a space that's completely outside of the like social bounds that i live in being like at school or you know with wherever i am with my parents or whatever it's like oh i'm talking with like a 30 year old with the screen name <laughs> called stink fist <laughs> like, you know like and he's the and he's the important guy in the clan so i have to be nice like <laughs> so funny god again another uh kids these days don't know what they uh are missing out on just the the oh. the wild west of online back in the day i mean you would meet i mean my personal favorite funny story that happened to me was that i went on playstation home as like a 13 14 year old getting introduced to online gaming i went on ps home and i started chatting with this one guy and we would like meet up every day and all that and i would stay up very late and then my parents uh, came into my room seeing me play PlayStation Home. It's like, who are you talking to? Who is this stranger? You don't even know him. You, why are you sharing personal information? He could be a rapist. He could be a stalker. I'm like, uh, I'll, I, I promise I won't talk to strangers online ever again. Whoops. I, uh, yeah, I got, um, the only time I got reprimanded for my online relationships was when I was, <laughs> when uh, I was in like a Counter-Strike uh, thing and like, I don't know. I forget exactly what I said, but I basically said some sort of gamer language out loud. And then my dad was like, whoa, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I've never said that around you. How did you hear that? And I was like, uh, gamers are saying it <laughs> on a, on a uh, like gun game map. <laughs> yeah. I'm playing D rats and I am stuck in the refrigerator. <laughs> I'm like, kids these days don't know what they missed out on. They don't understand. They really that. don't because it was such a like such an exciting time for like these little hidden worlds that felt so 
so extraordinarily different from the like day-to-day regular life and that's what felt so special about it is that it was just like so different from and you know not that it was like you know people the types of people I wouldn't meet but it was just like it felt it was one of those first times you were able to like early exert uh like just you by yourself like I wasn't allowed out in public a lot by myself but Mm -hmm. I could be on these like fucking you know uh multiplayer server rooms yeah I'm like in a team chat group with like you know a bunch of 20 and 30 year olds and they're all like talking shit and shit so it feels like very like adult early on in a way that's like exciting and like you know yeah uh, emancipatory peeking through the adult world even though you're still within the confines of your like your plaything, your console your pc or whatever you're getting exposed to like people that have knowledge that you didn't know and it's cool and exciting and you want to learn about these people and meet up with them every night which is something i did all the time you know going on modern warfare 2 servers like staying up till four in the morning with some of my friends from school and just running into the most backwards interesting people that you will ever meet and you only get and you only get to meet them once sometimes like You'll never hear from them ever again. It's like, I wonder what happened to that one person that, like, was, you know, rambling about the most out there concept. And you're just like, as a 15 year old, just like, yeah, okay, KDR is going down. I wonder, uh, how do I, how do we, how do we do better team? Like that sort of <laughs> thing. But oh, no, that's, um, it's, it's funny because, like, again, I don't know if you can get those interactions. I'm not modern day gaming. <laughs> well, because the advent of the parties in consoles, like the party chats, where it's just like now it's like your own little like group message room, I guess you could say, where it's like you just kind of find your friends from you know you have your friend group and you just stick with them and you don't venture outside the party chat anymore. Honestly, the closest thing to that is Twitter Spaces, and why I re- realize why I like them is because it has this thing of like it's like okay I see this person has a room or like mm-hmm. you know a Xbox Live party if you will, and you're like okay I like them a lot I bet the people they're bringing in are probably either people I would like or funny, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna pop in see what's going on. You take the temperature of the conversation and you go okay I am or am not interested in sticking around for this. Um, but it's this kind of like peeking into these kind of small curated spaces that I feel like aren't encouraged nowadays because they could be like sources of, you know, uh, aggression towards yeah extremism. You know, you must not have your own little space, little corners of the internet. Um, but that's what felt so cool was finding these little pockets of like, oh yeah, like I'm on this server and there's this guy named Lasagna and like everyone loves him, <laughs> but he doesn't have a mic. So he just like abuses the text chat while everyone else talks on a mic. <laughs> No, I, I'm sure you felt this with your 360, uh, like because I remember on the Xbox dashboard, it's like you had your friends and it would tell you who they were in a party with. So it's like even though like modern consoles do that, obviously, it's like the sort of chat rooms were on full display. It's like okay, do I try to peek into the popular like the pot like the? I remember growing up it's like the popular jocks had like their party chat on xbox and it's like i wonder what would happen if i went into their un- uninvited like what would they think what would they say or do i go to my friends who are like you know playing some obscure game or 
obscure games because you know you, they could be playing two different things and chatting and that yeah. was that was huge that made it so that you could really socialize with people outside of like these kind of bot restrictions where if your mom didn't buy you the particular mm-hmm. game that everyone was playing you could still hang out while people played modern warfare 2 if you didn't have it yet mm-hmm. but you know you knew you were missing out but it was like still kind of like it wasn't uh keeping you from it mm-hmm. no yeah it's a it's hard. I keep saying it, but literally, kids these days don't know their Fortnites ain't the same. Their Warzone 2.0s ain't the same. You know, I <laughs> we were we were raised in the battlegrounds. Of... Listen, back in my day in Counter Strike, you had to buy your weapons at the beginning of each round, <laughs> <laughs> and you had a limited budget. So you know, what? listen, sometimes you don't get a Kevlar vest. <laughs> yeah, and, and you don't, and you don't have a, you don't have some fancy skin to put on your gun too, kiddo. Yeah, although Counter Strike is now just that, like like Team Fortress, the modern iteration is just like it weakly incorporates those things in like a uh, way that's like it doesn't even do the thing that, when done best, that stuff can be like exciting about. It. It's just like it's sad, like the hats in Team Fortress too. Yeah, <laughs> the, the so fucking, fucking sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad sad day. I remember when TF two was legitimately. I mean. I always will have a soft spot for TF2 as a whole, but it's like the TF2 that is existing nowadays is not the one that was dominating the scene in the late 2000s where it was like the cool out there game that all your friends, or maybe not all your friends, but you had like maybe one person that you knew was playing it and like they were having the best time of their life in it sort of thing. Uh, but now it's all about uh, making making the demo man uh, have a sword and rushing across the map and people spamming the text chat asking for trades. <laughs> it's it's not the same, damn it. It really it really isn't because I uh, I I really do feel that. Um, I'm gonna try to move a little quicker. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, it's I, fine. I have, I have so many feelings about video games. <laughs> um, so that pc stuff was happening i got an xbox 360 that was basically my whole social life from like late middle school to high school was like most of my time was spent you know socializing with people i knew was on an xbox live party mm-hmm. like um custom like by custom games basically just like made up games in gta 4 multiplayer mm-hmm. um like there was like a long strip where you'd play like cops uh uh, was it cop and robbers which was mm-hmm. just like one person has a cop car and the other people are on motorcycles and you just try to like knock them off and kill them and the mm-hmm. anyways, all those like these little like sandbox kind of games um yep. modern warfare 2 obviously cultural icon she yep. slayed she worked <laughs> i didn't i haven't played the new one i just feel like it's going to be like a sad kind of like it's not going to feel as good as it did back in the day because it's just it's not that time and place yeah, I don't no. know. It might be great. All I know is, friend of the pod, Fog Brain, said it's a very disappointing experience. Considering that the Modern Warfare One remake was actually really good, and what he told me or what he said online. So yeah, so, no. yeah the Call of Duty games. I first started playing on PC. I played mm-hmm. uh, Medal of Honor uh, mm-hmm. first, and then this new series, Call of Duty, was coming out, and I was like, oh, it's like a little more narrative. It feels like I'm like playing Band of Brothers. <laughs> Yeah. Uh and so I played Call of Duty one, two, I actually think I might have skipped three, and then four, obviously, being the one that was kind of the the turning point for the series. 
and like playing that first crawling through the you know explosion you know the the nuclear blast or whatever thing oh yeah really like i remember playing that on like a saturday morning and that like really coloring my whole day was like experiencing something that i was like not like expecting the nuke was shocking at the time it really was i mean that game was in general had lots of really exciting moments but that was out of left field like I it's easy to view Call of Duty as Michael Bay on testosterone action movie nowadays, but when the series was still kind of rooted in reality, so to say, to have a game that literally makes you experience a nuke going off and then having to watch your character play as your character dying in the in the uh in the nuclear wasteland is I don't think anybody was prepared for that. And I don't think people like modern warfare continually tried to up the ante with it. Like the airport shooting into. Oh yeah. And, no Russian. And then uh, modern warfare three was just insanity. I can't even remember. There's so many in off the wall things that they do in that one that it was just like, okay, we have to replicate the nuke moment over and over again. But the thing about the nuke moment that felt so like you spent the whole earlier part of that level, both like making your way, like, I think, into the city and then trying Mm -hmm. to make your way out. Yeah. And it's like you've spent so much time and this is connecting to our game of the night. Mm -hmm. Um, You spent so much time working towards a goal and then the game just says, no, no, you can't actually do that. It's over and you've lost. And now Mm -hmm. you could experience the last moments of losing, but it's over. And this game has decided that that's what has happened. And it, that felt really revolutionary at the time and Mm -hmm. probably going back to play it. Like, as you're saying, like, it doesn't hit quite as like, Oh wow. They like really told me like, no, you're going to, you're going to die in the desert and like, you can crawl for a little bit, but you're dead. Like you're done. Yeah. You, yeah. the early modern warfare's war special before the series just became a multiplayer product. Uh, the one where with... Skrillex was in like a multiplayer map, and like there's like a section where the Skrillex was playing in like a DJ set. I was like, and, all right, this isn't really doing what it was doing before. Yeah, it just became the hype bro thing. It wasn't. It was just about making money, as it were. Which listen, and... I've I've suffered really terrible things uh for the attention of men, so it's not like I wouldn't <laughs> play that game. But <laughs> you can't you can't so put yourself through it anymore. Yeah, even I have a limit. Modern Warfare Three is pretty fucking close to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ghost Ghost was when I was like, Oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where they truly feel like lost... kinda long in the tooth. <laughs> yeah, it's the series probably should have ended, but it makes money all all the time. Everyone buys it. You know, you can't stop the you can't stop the homunculus, uh, homunculus growing and expanding. It's it's a uh, it's a beast in of itself, and it can't be stopped. And it's like, well, we just kind of have to live with it now. Yeah. Uh, um. So as as far as console stuff, that was big for me. Uh, PC was kind of became less of a thing further on, but uh, as far as modern generation stuff, um. Bloodborne was really big for me. That kind of got me back into like uh, difficult games. I was on a mm-hmm. really big kick of, I was like, you know what? I'm tired of feeling stressed out by games. I only have so much time. 
I want, and I also, this happened to align with me starting to smoke weed. Uh, I was like, you know, maybe I just like want to have a good time. So I was like, well, Final Fantasy is great because you can just plug away at it and eventually you win. And yeah. if you just spend enough time and like, you know, sink enough hours into it, you will win. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I was given a little bit of like older game, um, like uh, education from my boyfriends who are older than me. So they're like, into more like SNES stuff where like I played like Final Fantasy six or three or whatever. Um, and like secret of mana um, stuff where I was like, Oh, I've never played these games, but like, I get why this could be so captivating. Cause like secret of mana, especially like that game is, I feel like would have been my kingdom hearts of my generation. You know what I mean? Actual oh, yeah. RPG stylistic, great music, great uh, imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, but like as far as modern games go, like uh, the Dark Souls series is kind of one of the ones that sticks out as like something that really inspired me as far as like uh, trying the mechanically uh, focused stuff about games again, as opposed mm-hmm. to just the kind of narrative. Because for a while I was really into like I played a lot of the walking sim stuff like I played Gone Home. I played like um, <laughs> Life is Strange. Obviously, I played Life is Strange uh, before the storm too. Which honestly, Ooh. if you've played Life is Strange, play before the storm. Mm-hmm. I would say better gameplay than Life is Strange. It's Chloe and some other uh, bitch. Right. <laughs> yeah, her bestie. Oh, have you played before the storm? No, I've You're only played it. Yeah, I I'm aware of it. I remember when it was being marketed, but I never got to it. Sadly, I only played the On a, original first one. If you have any appreciation for Life is Strange at all, and you want to play something fun before the storm is great, mm-hmm. it's uh, cute. No, the way no. the way it iterates on it is still very like sweet and uh, referential to the beginning. And it's shorter too. It's like you know, mm-hmm. yeah, three fifths of the the length. Yeah. But I think, you know, speaking of modern games, I think that is a great way to segment into the first part of the discussion, which ties in with the game of tonight, The Last of Us Part Two. You know, and it kind of goes off the sort of controversy aspect that I talked about with Alex on episode four, you know, controversy in games. But Last of Us Two part two is is a unique thing that's kind of present today of the sort of modern controversy where there you always have to have a take you always have to say something about a game there's something in a game that is quote controversial or uh quote unquote bad or you know uh, heck even uh in a a monumental amount of praise like the modern game discourse market is kind of a hellscape to navigate nowadays even for me it's like i because twitter knows who i am at this point so it's like i go in the search tab and it's like it's picked out all the games that i kind of know so it's like here's your shin megami tensei posts for the day and it's like people making really annoying like takes about smt5 or I see stuff about Sony games because everyone likes to have a take about the Sony games nowadays. Silent oh. Hill, but dank. Yeah, literally. Like <laughs> the, the modern landscape of discourse in games, controversy in games, it's such a murky. Uh, it, it's not, it's, I think you, you made a great point. I, 
before we started recording. It's like controversy back in the day was culture versus gamers, culture versus games, you know, games, you know, obviously like, you know, the PS2 generation, you had stuff like Grand Theft Auto, which were so shocking at the time, having a game that lets you do whatever you want in a city that looks kind of realistic and it lets you have sex. It lets you kill people. It lets you gamble. It lets you do drugs. That was shocking. And suddenly the, you know, sort of the larger society as a whole is like reprimanding a game for pushing boundaries. But now it's like gamer, the, the controversy nowadays, it's like gamers are against the games themselves. It's like, a weird feedback loop that like becomes more and more dark and depressing as you see it. I mean, we will talk about it. We will talk about it with oh. the last of us part two, but I don't know if you have any sort of <laughs> opinions about the controversy of today, you know, as you and I are gamers on the internet gamers on the Twitter verse. I don't know if you have any sort of opinions about controversy today. Yeah, it's um it's really interesting. Um one thing quickly about GTA, uh I didn't hear anyone bring this up, which was a particular like dark realization that I realized in uh GTA 3 was that if you uh, take a hooker to a dark spot, uh have sex with her, pay her. She gets out. If you kill her, you get the money you paid her back. <laughs> yeah. And that's <laughs> And that was like a really dark like realization. I was like, "Oh fuck, it's like a real systems based game." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's this there's this thing where it's like um the general understanding of like a game is that like it might have been better if it didn't come out, which is just a position that like doesn't exist kind of prior to the now thing where it's like, "Oh, well, you know, I can't believe they're going to make a game if they're going to make it like this." And, like, back in the day, it was like, okay, well, you know, I don't love this game for X reason, but, like, I'm glad it made it to shelves and I can play it in some whatever. Like, this is what I find redeemable about it or the things I do enjoy. Mm -hmm. And there's this kind of aspect of, like, you know, um, being needing to have a, like, critical take on it and be... I I don't know the, the 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 need to have a take is something that we talked about that like I think is one of the reasons I played The Last of Us two initially was because I heard about it, talked about it this way that was like oh well you know The Last of Us two yeah it's pretty crazy you should you know there's a lot of stuff people are talking about it and I was like well if people are talking about it I must play it and then I was like well I'll play Last of Us one which we'll talk about mm. briefly but like I played that whole game just to play Last of Us two. Yeah, people, I heard about Last of Us one. I was like, okay, sounds cool. Not my bag. Last of Us two came out, and people were having such strong reactions to it that I was like, well, if if it's pulling this much reaction, clearly it's trying stuff. And like, I've always appreciated even media that I don't agree with or love. I love seeing imaginative or. Uh, I love being impressed by the idea of trying something that I wouldn't have thought to or that like, you know, my sensibilities don't go to because it's like world expanding. It's like, oh, shit. Like, I wouldn't have thought that that's like a way that the narrative could be formed. Mm -hmm. um, and like, it's just it's interesting to see this modern day 
uh, game journalism too, because it used to be back in the day, like half fluff piece, half like clearly paid for like a uh, showcase of like chief uh, screenshots of non gameplay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it, you know, the games journalism was never a hundred percent like, you know, credible or whatever, but like it was at least coming from this aspect of like excited about a game to come out like they want to see what blood rain 2 is even if it's not an exciting premise when you look at what the you know game series was or whatever like i remember just reading like specifically like a blood rain uh, article and being like this sounds like the most exciting game i've ever heard about and it, i saw a gameplay i was like no it's just a shitty little like you know action rpg or whatever um, it's not that impressive, but because people like were so stoked on games, they would just like, you know, take anything and be like, well, this is like a really important, you know, uh, release. Mm-hmm. And nowadays there's this really like spite for, especially when people try really hard because the mm-hmm. indie game, you know, uh, like Renaissance or like, you know, people really getting into indie games there kind of became this like hate for the machine that makes big ones. Yeah. And, while, and, and, and I don't mean to just keep talking forever, but that machine has gotten so much more bloated since like the new generation of games where, you know, if you look at the last of us two, even on my PS4 where sometimes stuff pops in, it's still mm. some of the most visually impressive shit I've ever seen in a video game. She got money. Uh, like, like, it's incredible. She's booked. She's blessed. Bless. <laughs> she's, she doesn't need any more business. She's absolutely booked for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um. And it's just like, I I see that, and some people are like really critical of like, and you know, you know, I don't want anyone to like, you know, uh, hate their life while making something that I enjoy. But at the same time, it's like you know so much more work has to go into the fact like rendering all of ellie's fucking pores yeah her individual hair follicles yeah like you know and how much and also like we'll talk about it later how much like (laughs) emotional damage must go into the people who have to like render all of these people like gasping on the ground keeping their intestines from falling out of their fucking stabbed stomachs (laughs) like fuck i can't even imagine like fucking live leak <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> web moderator trauma <laughs> yeah you know what i want to say is i blame for the take machine about modern games whatever it might be i blame video essays for this like yeah when when like i appreciate a video essay like because i always like to have a new perspective on a game i like to think differently about something you know I try to expand my knowledge of this medium because it is a unique medium in of itself. It's a medium that is dictated on your interaction. You know, nothing happens until you control the game, you control this product. And I'm always curious about how a developer can use this medium to tell a story that is unique to the medium or tries to do something interesting or exciting. Like, you know, just because it's kind of in my head right now, like Metal Gear using combining movies into games, present giving games a cinematic aesthetic, introducing the concept of like a cast of characters with, you know, not exactly like Hollywood talent, but actual people who are 
good at voice acting or good at performances and bringing this sort of large scale epic into a medium that you control while also having unique ways of interacting with the world through gameplay or whatever, you know, but then like I go online, it's like, well, actually Metal Gear Solid 4 is a disgrace to existence. And actually, if you like it, uh, you're a Kojima shill or whatever, you know, the like the video essay has like corrupted or infected people's brains to the point where it's like i i guarantee you if you see a bunch of takes that all look the same it all comes from a video essay that somebody watched like i remember how in the mid 2010s how everybody turned their backs on skyward sword because there was a popular video essay saying how bad it was or people like popular content creators online were saying that skyward sword is a bad game because it does x y and z wrong like and you saw everyone parroting that opinion for years and years and years and then only until like a few years recently that that cycle gets broken and you get new opinions or whatever there's the online take machine that never stops it keeps going and i'm i'm i say this you know because i would i say my takes are mostly reserved for games i always i see a clip of god god of war ragnarok and i have to make an opinion you know and i haven't even played it sort of i'd thing. be upset like, if you didn't pass that along to me. Like, <laughs> i needed to know how annoying that fucking like no try it again yeah, you missed the parry yeah like, like i uh, want you to tweet about that but i i see that you're like you know you're doing yeah. kind of the thing but yeah, like, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, whenever a game comes out, especially nowadays, that does something that's, whether if it is genuinely a bad design or it does something that is not meeting the expectations of a player, it suddenly becomes, like, an attack on the people themselves. It's like, I didn't, I didn't want this product, and now I have to let everyone know that this product is actually an assault on my beliefs as a gamer like you know the the last of us two is like the primo pristine on a pedestal example of this you know and i we're gonna say this we're gonna get to it because you know you can look at mo there's so many games that come out and it's like you see the the avalanche of like similar opinions that come out and they just they don't say anything different. They all say the same thing. They're all regurgitated and said ad nauseum. You know, for me, like Shin Megami Tensei, you always saw the same thing. The story's bad. The story's bad. The story's bad. It's like, well, did you actually play the standard? Did you engage with the game? Did you absorb it all? You know, thought for yourself in a way. And it's like, there's, there's no sort of, it's, it's such a vicious, like self-eating month. It's like an Ouroboros thing where it's like the gamers are consuming the product and just wants to keep like repeating and add like just destroying itself. It's so I wouldn't say it's like concerning, but it's just very alien to me. It's I like guess. a changing expectation, also, in that it used to be that you understood yourself as a person coming to this avatar and interpreting whatever you think or whatever through the avatar mm -hmm. and now it's become through rpgs and through so much customization this thing of like you expect yourself to be like catered to by the game mm -hmm. and it's like no like especially for the last of us 
two or part two or whatever like, <laughs> when i fucking whatever name yeah shit this yeah name yeah, yeah uh it's like you're not ellie you're not abby you are inhabiting these avatars and the disconnect of that it's like some people forget that it's like no you're not you particularly the player are not always chief of mind if someone wants to tell a story like sometimes what you want doesn't matter and like mm-hmm. um that's a valid choice by the game design and like other forms of media do this and so why should games be completely unable to just because it's become you know popular to allow ultimate expression yeah slash you know the least amount of exerted uh characterization over your avatar yeah it's it's so funny we live in a day and age where games more or less because they're trying to get everyone on board and everyone to buy the product you know you see games that have open world open choice you can do whatever you want you can approach things as you want but like as a result there's like nothing unique to the experience and it becomes like a mush like just a sludge of like just repeating things over and over again. Like you just see like repeated ideas across companies and all this stuff in a way, because they're just afraid of like adventuring out and do something bold or interesting. They're afraid of stirring up the take machine. And that, that shows in some modern games is them being like literally afraid to do something that would upset the quote unquote gamers unless it's diversity yeah <laughs> minded but otherwise they're like they're you know trying to constantly uh make sure the gamers are getting what they want like that they're, mm-hmm. okay they're you know they're not gonna get anything that's gonna make their tummies upset yeah and it's like no that's some of the most interesting stuff in especially the last of us too is stuff where it's like i would never choose this <laughs> yeah exactly like you see a lot of games nowadays that are going bending over backwards, like jerking off the, the gamer saying, look, we're doing everything you wanted to. Please don't be mad at us. We're, we're, we're trying to make you happy. Please don't be mad at us is a hundred percent. The attitude that a lot of games give off. Like, okay. And since you're, you are a more, you're a bigger souls born fan than me. I'll be, you know, obviously I, I greatly appreciate these games as a whole, but whenever a game does do something that does not compute to a, a sector of the online machine and you see just the mountain of identical criticism about these games, it's like, oh, it's difficult to control. Why is there's no easy mode? Why is there's no story? Blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, it becomes, it's like, I get like, there's like certain triggers that you see with it when a game comes out that you just know it's like that that type the worst person you know is going to make like the dumbest opinion you know and this speaks broadly to whether you're left or right like you know there's something that's going to set off the the alarms in someone's brain and like they have to just like go out of their way to, to let their let their follower base know that like hey don't give this game don't buy this game because it does this you know like i I i'm sure you feel this way but i'm so tired of the uh from soft games need an easy mode like this like discourse i'm so tired of yeah and as uh, we'll talk about with last of us too it's like sometimes that it it really does not make what the game that you think you want or think that you'll get out of it is not the game that you actually want 
Like yeah. maybe you want to watch a video essay about Dark Souls instead of playing it because it's too you know too difficult. That's that's fine. Um, but the the thing that makes it so special is like the specificness of it and the it's people like expecting there's this kind of shifting expectation and expectation is like a huge keyword for the last of us and there's this expectation that started being you're coming to a game and you're expected to have something like a, a story told to you and experience relayed to you you're kind of coming to this other experience mm-hmm. and now it's kind of like shifted into this like vr like pod person idea of like no that it has to conform to me like the experience because it's digital because it's pliable has to be pliable to me mm-hmm. and it's like no the coolest thing about it being pliable is that it can be rigid in ways that you would never expect or want or ask or know mm-hmm. to articulate and the ways that that is is like you know like in real life like your limits and your um the things that you can't change become these strong things that affect like that make interesting things in your life exist that like you know mm-hmm. it's not great but it's like those are those limiting factors can also be like great powerful framing things in your like your life yeah. so it's like yeah sometimes you're going to be told something you don't like and you have to fucking deal with it and feel bad about it for a few days like that's this uh yeah exactly i totally agree <laughs> with you um which is why i champion the return of the linear game because the linear game is meant to deliver quite literally a linear experience. It has one goal in mind, or I mean, I mean it might have multiple, but a linear game is designed to hit certain peaks and valleys. It's designed to let you see things that the developer wants. It wants you to experience things that a developer wants. It's not giving you the bu- the golden corral buffet and saying, have at it kiddo. You know, it's like, okay, you have to endure this experience, like this curated experience that the developer, the director, the writer, the animators, composer, level designer, you name it. They want you to experience this exact story the way you are meant to experience it. And I feel as though for me personally, I I derive great joy from the linear game more so than the open world because with a linear with a linear game i know what i'm i i don't know what i'm gonna get because you know i don't know what the game is but i know that like the developer curated this experience because this is what they want you to get they don't want you to be presented this open world where it's like you have seemingly infinite possibilities but they more or less boil down to like the same five different tasks i mean we i like an example i pull from it's like look at final fantasy 13 and look at 15 and look how wildly different those two experiences are i 15 uh, fucking sucks the moon out of the sky yeah i i I play both and like you and i both love 13 and now like you and i both hate 15 15 is an open world game that gives you the most menial tasks with like the most like a little bit of like encouragement, just the most barely 
uh, amount of like encouragement to do what it wants you to do. Meanwhile, 13 is quite literally final hallway 13. And it's like the best game ever made. Like it, but it has every inch you move forward in that hallway, you have a reason you're moving forward. You know that those characters have to go farther into that space forest because at the end of that space forest is the closest thing they have to a you know a chance at saving themselves, quote unquote. Yeah, and I like, I don't care about the false C and the list C. I just want to see lightning do some twirling. Okay, mother. <laughs> I, I just want her to see her flip out her little sissy blade. <laughs> with a, a phone charm on it and stab some sort of monster like that's all i want to get out of this experience and it gives it to you yeah no i mean i think honestly this is just me and maybe you agree but i think this is time i think this is a perfect segue i think into the game because i think you and i are like ready to go to talk about the last of us part two so what other way to segue into our game of tonight, which is The Last of Us Part 2? so deranged because i like have so many things i like want to say about games gaming wow that's so that's literally me though that's why i started a fucking podcast and you're like so right for it because like when you started 
Cause like I like I you know you on the Resident Evil episode for <laughs> for Chichi that was iconic, and that like that really got me. The way you guys talked about Resident Evil is the way that me and my friend talked about like Silent Hill, which mm-hmm. was like Heather's giving you know absolute <laughs> mama slay. Like Silent Hill three was an awakening for me. I was like, what if a horror like protagonist was an iconic brown boots vest? <laughs> yeah exactly like i think this is a thing that most gamers because most gamers are straight is they don't think outside of just the literal what's on screen that is happening to them like they they don't allow their sort of minds to drift into the sort of abs- absurdity of it all like yeah, like, like the abstract like mood fantasy that you get brought into at the beginning of Silent Hill 3 was like an ennui that like me as a gay child could not articulate that I needed, but mm-hmm. I needed girl waking up in a abandoned shopping mall to a like horror, you know, uh, you know, all the all the shops closed and dogs with split heads coming after her. Like that's what I needed to see. Listen, all we need to know is that blondes have more fun, as Heather Mason once said. Um, Hair flip. Uh, exactly. Like, people will see that as like, oh, that's just kind of goofy. But I'm just like, that's a slay mother moment. No, you don't understand. She wrote the whole book in that one line. <laughs> she closed it and she said, print. <laughs> so speaking of slaying, let's dis- let's let's get into this uh, fucking... Uh, massive <laughs> game of, of discussion which is the last of us part two this uh this is a arguably the most recent game of the show it came out june 19th 2020 uh it's made by arguably beloved and sort of nostalgia icon naughty dog um it is to say that any discussion of this game is like opening Pandora's box is an understatement. Um, This game came out in arguably one of the uh, trying to like start this this discussion is like fascinating. It's hard. Like, so this game heated moment of games discourse. It really is. So like, um, so this game came out, and this was arguably the most hyped game of 2020. Outside of maybe like Doom Eternal and Final Fantasy VII Remake, this was the one everyone had their eyes laser focused on. Like this game had been announced like in 2017 or 2018. It was the long-awaited sequel to the original game, which came out in 2013, which was you know a PS3 game which you know it's wild to think about that's like nine years ago the first game came out so like it between the first two it was seven years there was constant sort of like drip feeds of information the game got constantly delayed pushed back there you know the sort of ang the mobs were forming or more and more over the coming months and then i remember the game story getting leaked online uh with several big moments of the story being just shown on on twitter and the sort of hate mob was in full effect everyone hated this game before it even came out you know it was an affront to everything that was right about gaming you know it was uh it murdered your own father and mother and then uh you know did murder your father (laughs) 
Well, yes, it did do that. But um, real quick you know, though, did they did in those leaks? Because I don't know anything about the leaks. Did they know about the story event early on in the game? Yes, it that was okay, one of the that was one of the it. yeah that was one of the things that got leaked early. Like the people started forming their opinion about that pivotal moment before they even yeah, got the game in their hands. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean it leaks. You know, I just for the listeners, spoilers have not mean a single thing to this show. So I will say. It. Joel's death gets le- got leaked online two months before the game came out. Like, which is, you know, and it also, they leaked like the confrontation El- Abby and Ellie have in the movie theater. It leaked the entire ending. Like, this is a massive leak that just revealed its hand before wow. it came out. And, you know, so by the, by the time the game came out in June, you had you have already picked a side you either thought this game was an atrocious insult to everything that the first game had it was liberal propaganda it was you know libtard like you know diversity thing or you thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread like you could not you had to pick a side you could not legitimately experience the game and form your own opinion like this is in my experience on you know with games throughout my years this is the most single most hated game i have ever seen i even life is strange which got which got a fair bit of backlash you know <laughs> to go off last week's episode like on, on the record booth is a life is strange apologist lover uh, don't say apologist say you're a, you're a stan you're a lover i'm a we... proud stan everything life is strange uh one and before the storm does i full-heartedly approve of and endorse yeah but like you know the the hate life is strange got was it was present but it wasn't like all-encompassing it took oh like the last of us part two had the biggest vocal hatred for it by far and i will admit that i was in the hate train at first i thought that this game was an insult to you know because i genuinely loved the first game i it was one of the games i was extremely excited for and played and i thought was the greatest thing i ever played back in 2013 and i held that belief for many years to come you know and then i saw all this stuff i was like what the fuck are they doing with this game this seems utterly insane what they're doing uh, and I held that for opinion for a while. It's like this game is being propped up by games media and all this stuff. It's it fails on every level until one uh, until a drag queen from Japan made me th- rethink my opinion on about this. And I was like, huh, you know, it, it, it to say that Zach, I think, was one of the first people that I saw actually speak positively of the game, I think, is an understatement. I think. Zach was probably one of the first people to ever say that. Like, and early on in the show, too, by the way, you know, listen to ISP in order from start to beginning, just as a little little heads up for the listeners. Um, and that's uh, that's with her, like, um, college. Uh, yeah, college friends. Yeah, yeah, from the frat, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the point being is, like, my opinion of the game changed. And I was like, well, okay, I got to give this game its fair shot. And I waited until a few, uh, like a year later, I played it and I was like, okay, I have not seen a game be so bold and bright, you know, brazen 
to tell a specific story, make you experience a specific thing, you know, experience moments, experience imagery, experience tension, whatever it might be. It is one of the most dictator experiences I have ever played in a game. And I kind of, I, I've come to finally, I've come full circle with The Last of Us Part Two, where I think it's genuinely one of the best games ever. I think it is a, one of the PS4 stall, shining gems. And, you know, I think this game needs to be viewed for what it is, which is a, a bold and brave game. Which is yes. <laughs> to to, yes. to say to say this Speak I guess, on it, sis. <laughs> which is weird because I I still would argue that the sort of hate mob that this game got is still around. Like yeah, like the remake they remade the first game. The hate mob came out again. Like you know, and uh, I guess I'll I'll cut off myself there. So uh, Taylor, what is your experience with The Last of Us Part Two? So you're so right to say that it is brave because it really is in that it like it's taking it takes chances and makes decisions that are not just like indie game decisions but expensive decisions like oh, yeah. sinking so many hours and like uh so much money into all of these choices that they know there's no way they they went into this thinking that all of this would play well and mm-hmm. there is this escalation that, like, I know about and I'm sure you know about that, like, can't really fully explain now of games journalism mm-hmm. from the, like, early 2000s to the, like, mid 2010s. And this game coming at the end of the kind of escalation and bubble pop of this, like, like Polygon, Kotaku all of these kind of new age uh, digital mags that kind of made their made their bread and butter off of doing video essay style reviews, basically where they, they had takes where it was like take style reviews, as opposed to uh, will you as the gamer like this game to play? Like, mm-hmm. will you find, is this a worthy experience for you? Um, and it, it is so strange. I literally, again, as I said before, played, the last of us won entirely so i could play this game mm-hmm. um because i was i wanted to form my own opinion i wanted to be able to like okay well if it's inspiring for me when there's enough people you know screaming about something it means that something's happening mm-hmm. so i i want to find out if it's good or bad or whatever i want to know so i played the last of us one and i liked i liked the last of us one um as a gay man without a child i like can't truly relate to the like you know uh <laughs> daughter plotline i'm like whatever okay she's cool i like her you know i like ellie and joel i think they're uh, a very good character combo for the first game but it doesn't like strike my soul mm-hmm. um you playing as ellie and joel being beleaguered uh handsome old man who's seen too much yeah different story We'll talk about that. <laughs> God, how will we get to all the things we need to fucking talk about? Um, but there's yeah, a it's, lot. There's so much, but there was this kind of fever pitch for this game, and like I needed to personally find out what was going on with it. And as you said, it is some of the most expensive, big, 
strong choices in a video game in an era where so many things were refusing to make strong choices. Like mm-hmm. I played Horizon Zero Dawn front to end. <laughs> oh God. Um, well, it was yeah. So honestly, it was fine because it was just like it was functioning as that sort of like you know <laughs> sandboxy game or whatever. Um, but like I've played games like that, and those do not hit me because it feels uh calculated yeah yeah it, it feels uh yeah randomly populated in a way that it doesn't feel like you know uh like i'm getting a bespoke experience and you know things that i got turned on to like movies extreme movies and stuff you know like you know when you watch um you know antichrist or whatever like it's an intense experience but th- that's what's so interesting about it is that it like makes you feel all these things and like it challenges you and mm-hmm. the last of us 2 is going to challenge you and that is what is so exciting about it and makes mm-hmm. it such an a a perfect game that i would put and it, obviously it's not perfect but like i would put this in if i could put the whole experience of the last of us honestly one and two because it kind of belongs together if yeah. I could put those two on a disc, I would put those in maybe the like ten games I would leave in a capsule for like, you mm-hmm. know, if you could save only ten games, I'd be like, you know what, The Last of Us Two, fucking freaked it. She dropped <laughs> from the ceiling into a split, <laughs> and you thought she wasn't even on stage yet. Like, <laughs> yeah, it. You know, we live in a day and age where so many of these big AAA games are. Their set goal is to they're trying to quite literally get everyone to buy the game. They're not really, they're not trying to make a artistic intention or an artistic choice. It's more what, what sort of things can we put inside this game that will make copies sell? And you know, they want the user base. They like, yeah. don't even want people to like the game. They want people to, they need the numbers of people invested. Yeah, exactly. Like Fall Guys type of shit. (laughs) Exactly. But like The Last of Us 2, in in a lot of ways, does not follow the modern day trend. It is linear to the point of where it doesn't really give you any, it does, it, no choices at all. You are down a pretty much hallway the entire game. You are forced to endure an act. So the most grisly murders I've ever seen in a game Shocking. ever. I mean, yeah, I always said like the PS4 generation, like I could never get a sense of like a graphical leap between its previous one. But the last of us two is like, okay, now what this is, this is the leap I have been waiting for. Like the 2019, 2020 games, that is the graphical leap that I've been waiting for. And, you know, the, the wizards at naughty dog, you know, allegedly being forced to be uh looking up like snuff films and live leak videos and gore videos to animate these genuinely disturbing like ways that you kill enemies in the game where where you if you actually use a shotgun and you land a hit on their legs their legs legs completely go away and you just see the blood gushing out and the bones and the like different organs you see like intestines falling out like it, it's genuinely disturbing like the the sort of ways you grisly kill people like bombs 
turn characters into blood clouds like and, and during the parts of the game that are gameplay focused in a way that normally would be bifurcated where like okay all of the intense gore is going to happen in the cutscenes, and so you can expect it but when mm-hmm. you're doing these kind of methodical gameplay segments you also see these like er, it's like emergent gore emergent yeah uh like social terror of realizing you just murdered someone's like best friend and they were like mm. you know they'll never be the same but you're gonna kill them in a second anyways so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. yeah it like you know i am not a stickler for violence in games i don't care i revel in violence because it is a video game henceforward is not real and so people need to still get over that fact but and less so than movies yeah. it literally has no one has to be hurt to make a violent video game yeah but like the last of us 2 is like the first time where like it crosses the border into real so real that it actually becomes genuinely like stomach stomach churning in the way it depicts violence and 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 i speak also broadly to scenes in the game that aren't exactly gameplay specific where you know the game is giving you multiple of a varied list of weapons to uh, uniquely kill all these enemies that have like specific animations for their heads exploding or their arms being blown off or their bodies exploding. Or like when you stab them in the, in the neck, you see like a blood squirt out of their neck and them just like, like just that squishy, like, you know, gasping for breath sort of thing. And like, even, even, even in the cutscene, sort of say like they, they really do make you, endure really grisly and like uncomfortable things i mean like that that the you know to jump the gun a little bit it's like the final fight you have against abby in the water in california is genuinely disturbing and uncomfortable like these two girls who have been reduced to like skin and bones and all they do is screaming and crying and like just trying to kill each other. Abby is so emaciated in that scene. And she's like such a buff bitch for the whole game. And you mm. un- you know her as this fucking big bitch. Like she's a mm. she's a big girl. And <laughs> and then and then the way she looks in that last scene is so awful that even though I didn't feel anything for Abby basically up until that scene. Mm-hmm. I that's when I started to feel as Ellie like I don't want to do this anymore because I was like this isn't the same Abby. Look at yeah. this Abby. This is not the same person that you thought like, like it's such a different dramatic character she, deformation that I was just like, whoa, fuck. Yeah, like <laughs> the, the contrast, cause the game, it, the game is very long too. It's like over 20 hours long and you get accustomed to Ellie and Abby as characters. You, you, you understand them visually, like their silhouettes, how they play, how they act, and all this stuff. And for the game to just bolt, like, make these two skeletons fight in the water with, like, swinging knives and getting, like, cuts all across their body and just screaming and crying and, like, just gasping for air. Like, I rarely do I ever feel a moment in a game where I'm just like, this is genuinely disturbing. Like, it, it it encapsulates the sort of thematic experience of the game, which is like, I mean, I guess to get into the story proper is, you know, the game takes place four years uh, after the events of the first game when 
which in the first game it involves Joel uh, uh, taking this young girl Ellie across the country to the Fireflies, which is like a resistance group in America after a fungus infects the world and brings you know the the apocalypse uh, where everyone turns into like fungus zombies and no humanity is basically fallen apart and destroyed and you know this it takes place like in 20 years after this event and joel has to take ellie across the country because she is the first immune kid or immune person to be found and they bring her across the country to this resistance group so that they can develop a vaccine but joel decides that he doesn't want the scientists to do the operation because it will kill ellie you know because you know when the the outbreak happened he lost his young daughter and so now he sees ellie as uh his new daughter his like second chance at life and so the last of us two takes plus four years after this ellie's now like a uh sort of a young adult and she has now kind of learned she's learned the truth behind why she didn't why she was saved and the rift there's a rift between her and joel and suddenly one day in a snowstorm joel get uh saves this girl abby and uh, she is there for a reason. She there wants to enact revenge on Joel because Joel killed her father in the hospital in the first game. And uh, to, to say that it is bold to essentially kill the most beloved character from the first game in the first hour of hour or two in the game and not give him a quote uh, like fitting send off is that was like that was one of the first things that people like were mad about joel gets beaten to death with a golf club the, there is i mean I, I i again wasn't a person who played last of us one so i didn't have those years of anticipation which i'm sure would have shaped what i wanted out of a sequel mm -hmm. but for me i think about all of the, the small amount of time you spend in jackson at the beginning of last of us two like mm -hmm those dynamics of <sighs> oh my god i can't even talk about it the it's a lot it, the, it, the the small amount of time and the things you don't get to say the frustrating awkward stilted conversation she has with joel ellie that is like the way that you want her just to fucking like you know get over it or like talk about it if you need to but like just fucking stop this like half you know cold icy shit you're doing to him and then this like earnest plea where he like sits down and does the most like self-effacing thing that like a man can do which is try to play like acoustic guitar and sing a pearl jam song <laughs> fuck fuck uh <laughs> and then like he does that thing which like is so uh it breaks my heart which is he does it and then ellie does it later when she sings like take on me or whatever which is this thing that people do when they sing acoustic guitar and they're kind of ashamed of themselves is they'll like kind of half mutter half the notes and yeah. so they'll like kind of sing a little bit and then half of it's just them talking kind of under their breath and J joel half muttering a pearl jam song trying to like make it up to his like daughter surrogate Mm -hmm. is something that like sticks in my brain and i think about more than i think if i had a last of us one style full adventure with joel mm -hmm. 
So while I understand people were upset by it, like as a you know visceral uh, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's how they experienced it, which honestly I don't think most people did, it based on the des- description of the pre-release uh hype slash hate cycle. Oh yeah, sounds, I mean, it sounds like no one got a chance to really sit down and experience The Last of Us two, like open up a a game you know case and then put that game in the console and play it. It sounds yeah, like no, no one they, got to just do that. They they saw the golf club scene and they thought that was like so ridiculous. It's like why would they choose a golf club to kill this character why didn't he have like a final stand blah 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 yeah. Don't... it's like well and there were fucking video sorry do you have something... no, sorry, I, well i was gonna say well a i don't care what you think the golf club is not funny anymore it really wasn't funny to me uh but we this game is in a world where like everyone is basically a shitty asshole that isn't like directly someone related to them or they spend time with like you think you think abby will give joel that satisfaction of like a proper hero's death joel who is a certifiable psychopath in his own way where he tortures oh, people yeah. like they might people th- you threw a brick into their face and then like hit them over the head with like a two by four with a bunch of uh, knives shoved through it. Like, yeah, like <laughs> you think Joel deserves a hero's death? Like, are you insane? Are you stupid? Like, no, he's going but- to hell for the yeah. people he killed. Yeah, he's going to meet the de- <laughs> he's going to meet the devil. Like, you know, like like people like that whole opening is a great litmus test to know who gets it or who doesn't. Like. All the complaints are like, why is Abby a buff girl? Like, this is the post apocalypse. <laughs> you know, Abby can't be buff. She can't be all that. Like, that one there... video essay where they caught, they think she's trans. So yeah. they're like, and they make us watch a transsexual sex scene. It's like, <laughs> I'm I, like, I, no, dude, she's just buff. <laughs> yeah, she, she hits the gym. She gets her gain. She has her protein chase. Come on, bro. Like, do you Listen, not get and, it? And I'll be honest, like, knowing a few girls of german descent some of them do be built <laughs> some of them do be built uh not even just fat but like <laughs> built just, like i don't know yeah they're just brick shit houses yeah like, exactly they're just like uh they're made to you know be able to pick the cart up if the wheels break or whatever yeah, like i, I mean <laughs> and to be f- and to be fair where abby lives in seattle she does have a gym like you know yeah true they have like an actual settlement with like time to do that yeah a gym and and she's also just a soldier in this like army in seattle so it's like okay i like i don't care about this sort of like nitpicky red highlighter going over the script and like critiquing it's like well you just don't get it you you're choosing to be mad because someone told you to be mad that abby is like an assault on your like your gamerhood status like so while we're talking about Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Get you more to say about Abby because I I wanted to bring up um Lev because yeah. I think this is a good a good point to bring up in the like the anti special... the anti the anti social justice like the conservative gamer push because like conservator conservative leaning gamers felt very on edge by the whole advancement of as I was saying the Polygon era mm-hmm. the like kotaku the, the like the gamergate things yeah like gamergate or anita uh anita sarkeesian like basically the space of gamers being more monopolized by social justice minded like p 
people and stuff and like that being priority and pushed onto games and stuff so that was like a reactive force that was also coming after this game where honestly i think most of it's handled really well and like i get i can get very annoyed at things feeling very i there's one or two things and I will say most of them are things where you have to press triangle to activate yeah, them. Which so, is Naughty so, Dog's favorite thing to do is press triangle. Which it it's kind of it's tough because it's both like they they took the time to voice act it and put it in the game so clearly they want you to see it. Yeah. And I kinda wanna see what everything they have to say, even if it's like even on a rewatch when something I found kind of preachy the first time, I was like, Oh, whatever, I'll like I'll watch it this time to see if I find it as objectionable. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so I played. So I also, as for context, I played the first game. I played uh, first game part two. I've started a new game plus of part two, which I got like halfway through. So I, I re- was able to replay some of it and experience the game like on a second time, um, mm-hmm. which I want to talk about a little bit later. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah there, there was a whole re- uh, reactive thing to it where they people wanted to hate it for like the social justice aspects. And yeah. I think Lev, who is a a character who is uh in a cult in Seattle that's like fighting the WLF who Abby belongs to. Um, Lev is a like trans character who like was like born a girl and people and like she like uh cut her hair and became like uh was like yeah I'm like Lev a guy and her culture is like transphobic in a like very modern sense where they're like oh even though we're like a cult based like metaphoric uh group we still only understand (laughs) gender in like a very specific modern context so Mm -hmm. you're ostracized by modern standards and uh, (laughs) so there's a little bit of whatever but then like uh they're just a companion for abby and someone that they kind of like ellie in the first game uh, become kind of entangled with and then feel a certain ownership over because they like fight alongside them and like you know go along the journey with them so it's like i felt that lev was a really great companion had no problems with lev being like yeah it's because i'm transgender and all of these you know cis cis heads in my uh cult yeah. don't get it yeah abby and her special transgender uh, Lev is a special transgender who's really cool. I would hang out with Lev. Lev seems sick. I would... Yeah, I mean, Le- Lev's <laughs> whole character more or less comes down to Lev being a girl and wanted to be a soldier, which I mean, more or less. Abby is can re- relate to. Yeah, Abby can relate to, but it makes sense within the context of the world of The Last of Us, which is a world of conflict and constant warring. I mean, the Seraphites and the WLF are at constant war with each other. So it makes sense like why, how Lev gets to be, to be Lev. And I don't think even that's re- the, the game dwells on it a little bit, but I don't even think Lev's whole goal is to be like, you know, being a sissifying uh, uh, beams getting broadcasted into your brain, whatever, Lev's goal, Lev's more or less there to be the sort of guiding voice to Abby. You know, Abby, I really do love Abby because I think she's, she, to me, like, I I love the journey that Ellie goes on through this game. It's fascinating to see a character who everyone loved in the first game. And then suddenly they more or less turn this character into a monster Yes. And, oh my God. This is so. This is so important to the discussion of Last of Us Two. Is 
sorry to interrupt you to the point you're making, no, no, no. but Ellie specifically, everyone, Ellie was the sacred cow. People talk about Joel being the sacred cow that they killed. Wrong. Ellie was the sweet little girl that everyone had expectations for. And turns out the sweet little girl lost everything and became a monster. And they hated seeing that. Well, she, she, beca- <laughs> she became Joel. And, you know, she yeah, became- in the worst ways. Yeah. Like the, the first, you know, we're going to go back and forth between the first and the second yeah, game because yeah. they more or less, I mean, I guess that kind of brings into the point why they call it like part one, part two, because they do feel like one giant experience. But like the first game establishes that Joel is not a good person. Joel, no. Joel is a murderer. Joel tortures people. Joel is selfish. Joel is a monster. He is angry whatever you want to every negative sort of thing you can attribute to a character joel has it but like you know but ellie becomes that in the end where she more she cannot and i think the game does a really good job of sort of you know revealing why she is like this because you know she she finally gets that one moment where she tries to mend the relationship with joel after she discovers his lie and you know he's taken away from her before she can sort of build that relationship again and you know she kind of like goes back to what she has been taught at when she was a you know a young kid she sees how joel operates she sees how joel did things in this world she heard people say what he does you know even joel's brother tommy it's like you know to say that Ellie was like this beautiful little girl who, what, how dare they corrupt her? It's like, do you see the people that she was raised with? You see, there's, they're like shocked by something that like was clearly written from the get go. It's like Ellie was going to become a monster, and you you comp- you compare her descent into madness, her spiral into nothing black, in, into just the blackness of humanity. And then you have Abby who starts where Ellie ends and Abby kind of gets her own little Ellie to sort of guide her out. And even though Abby herself does not gain the sort of closure she wants in killing Joel, she learns to just like move on, which I think it's there's so there's so much a lot, a, a lot to this game that many people don't understand. It's like, people will bemoan and groan about the sort of well is it the cycle of violence what it you know that that sure is a deep concept you know joking and being ironic it's like well the game benefit the game is really good about that it's like people just want to be haters no and the thing is no one was you bring up such a good point which is people always bring up that switching to abby is like a mood killer it's like a blue balls moment of like, oh, we're just we're relating so much to Ellie. How could you expect us to relate oh, to Abby? I, and, and yeah, it's like you're not supposed to. But the whole point is, is that you and her start to believe that Abby could be a better person through these experiences. And they literally like Joel in the first Last of Us in an echo of Joel. You like seeing Abby build up into being like, maybe I could be forgiven for what I see as like, you know uh unchangeable things about myself and like there's a like there's a and and this has to go with the whole like motif of like 
uh, a guy on a guitar or like you know i guess at this point a girl on a guitar like mm-hmm. there's this whole like lonesome country tinge to the whole thing that i really relate to because i find artistically the idea of like you know the kind of like uh lonesome uh western character as like a really interesting archetype that the last of us definitely leans into with multiple characters mm-hmm. and like the idea that like someone who thinks who could start off with everything like Ellie and lose mm-hmm. it all chasing revenge or someone who thinks they have nothing like Abby and then realize how much they have to lose and then realize because of things they've already done, they're, they're bound to lose it. Like yeah. that is so fucking powerful. And all these people who are like, well, Joe was the character in the first game. So he must be the character. F- shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. A good game is happening to you, idiot. Pay attention. It it, it very much reminds me of the bait and switch that Metal Gear Solid 2 did where it's like they're they're advertising how like you get to play a solid snake and then they switch you and you get the pretty femboy Raiden for the rest of the game. Like, and I, I guarantee you that that was an inspiration for Neil Druckmann, the director and writer of Last of Us Part 2. It's like to bait and switch a character like Ellie who became who in many ways was the main character of the first game where it's about her journey with her sort of surrogate father learning the sort of ways in which the world work you know because you know all she ever knew was like the firefly camps in Boston and she learns through Joel like how the how things work what you know learns about the past or learn how to deal with marauders and gang members and all that stuff, you know, to take this character that became such a sort of stoic little example of like, you know, female characters or whatever have you in a game. And then you more or less turn her into her father figure, the worst parts of her father figure. And you more or less put like the, you you make the character that is the villain in reality be the you know the joel in a in a sense like there takes a certain level of balls to do that especially nowadays and the game is i i love to compare the contrast the experiences of playing ellie and abby it's like as ellie becomes more of a psychopath she becomes she like is going through these levels by herself meanwhile abby gets like yara and lev tagging along or owen or mel like ellie's world while she has like jesse and tommy and and dina ellie's story feels almost just the most singular lonely story ever so claustrophobic you're like funneled down into a little pinpoint of just rage and revenge and there's nothing else that has room for it meanwhile abby gets like her own little diverse family of different you know her special transgender uh (laughs) son you know her you know her uh, uh, Yara, you know, one-armed Yara. And then... Okay, so Yara, the injury on Yara is so bad that I was like, why are we even running for medical supplies? This is a zombie apocalypse, and you think that is going to heal into something? That, that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the few times where I had a, like, logic, LOL, like, <laughs> I think I was like, listen, 
Yara needs to be given some morphine and let to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to the, I will not defend that to say the game is perfect. Like there oh, are because mo- the game relies so heavily on its story and its narrative that like there are moments where it's just like, okay, I get it. Okay, it's why is this happening? Yeah. Like, you know, I think of the the scene early in the game with Ellie and Dina and they're like in the synagogue and like that <laughs> yeah. that's that scene is like very on the nose and almost just like it's like here's the hammer and we are going to smash your head and do you get the reference we are making? Like like I can be like, okay, I get it. You could maybe be a little bit push off, but at the same time, I wouldn't want the game to like not be a so heavy handed with stuff because it's like, well, that's the experience. You're supposed to be subjected to extremes throughout the entire experience. Like, you know what? That is actually so true. And like a lot of it, you have to press. If you experienced it, you pressed farther into it with through a quick time event, through a uh, analog stick, through a, you know, click to press more or whatever like Mm -hmm. you if you experienced it it's because you were curious Mm -hmm. so it's like oh sorry the game exposed you to a lot of extreme stimuli one way or the other whether or not you like liked it or it was you know you didn't or Mm -hmm. whatever so and that way i do kind of respect it in a way that like if i saw the extra bits about like the synagogue or about um there's another like uh someone giving like a really long personal exposition that feels very like uh tacked in yeah i mean i forget where it was but anyways yeah there's i don't know if you feel this with games nowadays and i know the last two games i've talked about on the show heavy rain and life is strange they operate within the emotional rather than the logical and i feel like I feel like gamers as a whole don't understand when a game comes from an emotional plot or an emotional narrative experience. And last of it, to say that the last of us two is an emotional narrative is, you know, underselling it by a country mile. Like everything, everything is driven by rage or hatred or, violence or you know whatever you want to say like you know i don't think people can understand that nowadays because it's so like by the books and so calculated and formulated and the investors are going to be mad if we do a certain thing like to experience such a raw thing is like shocking to people yeah and the, the, the story does make really extreme choices in a way that you know is not market friendly in a way like you know if like if it wasn't so already deemed popular and mainstream for gamers Mm -hmm. like if this was named something else like life is strange zombies or something yeah this would have been ridiculed from the beginning anyways yeah i mean because it it's like it's doing so many things that are uh challenging yeah I think it's like people don't understand like if you were like compare it with the rest of the Sony Sony experiences like Horizon Zero Dawn or Days Gone or Spider-Man the Spider-Man games or Ghost of Tsushima like they're all sort of like calculated to a specific like demographic and audience and what will captivate as many people to buy games The Last of Us as a franchise is so specific. I mean, you know, the influences are very specific. They're not sort of 
general concepts. They're very specific where they come from. Like The Last of Us is inspired by The Road, clearly by the Cormac McCarthy. I think it's Cormac McCarthy wrote that book, but like, like the, 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 <laughs> the, the, the inspirations that Last of Us draws on, like the fact that like, hell, the 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 HBO TV show adaptation of The Last of Us is still using like this like very I feel like obscure country song in its trailer like that is oh, a what specific song did they use? uh I could not tell you it's uh okay that's fine uh I'll probably send you to it later but but the, the point being is like The Last of Us has specific choices and inspirations and artistic uh things that it wants to do and accomplishes and the sequel could not get away with what it does if it didn't have this established thing from quite literally almost a decade ago like a different generation quite literally of machines and you know the last of us part two if you were to sort of separate it and put it in a vacuum and just say like oh hey there's this video game called the last of us part two you would think it might sell a million copies if you're lucky. This was the highest selling PlayStation exclusive of all time when it came out. It it sold like four million copies in like one day. It uh, has the most awards for game of the year in history. It like it's broken every record. And, you know, you can argue, obviously, people have done it on Twitter for two years at this point. <laughs> you know, the sort of like, this game is a piece of shit. This game is a high piece of masterpiece. You know, I lean to the latter. But, you know, it's rare to see a game so driven from its inspirations or driven from a singular mind. I mean, Neil Druckmann, I guess we can tangent into him, the trickster himself the guy I think who specifically wanted to make a game that made people upset, like you can tell this comes from him, his singular vision. Sure. The game has two writers, but I know for certain that this man, this game came from his mind and he had a specific vision in mind. Like he is one of the, one of the few Western developers that people know most western games you don't know who's making the game he's one of the few that like people know about like uh he's a fascinating person in terms of like his rise to sort of this level being you know he wrote and directed the first one he was the co-director or co-writer of uncharted 2 he started with the jack and daxter psp game like he's a very interesting character who I think really likes pushing people's buttons. Yeah. And there's this like idea of him cashing this, like, like blank check mm -hmm. for that. He got written for last of us, like in the way that Tim Burton for like nine, uh, Batman returns was like, just given money to be like, do whatever the fuck you want. Batman, uh, the first one or whatever, like went so well, like we didn't expect it to. So just like, do whatever you want like it's all to you and they were just mm -hmm. giving these budgets to do something that like you know when you see an uh, an indie game that makes bold choices it's less impressive because like every scene in this that is like and this goes to the gore too is because it's so well funded and so technologically this, this, advanced this has just... sony money this has sony money like 
it's PlayStation. You to see that like those resources put to like just the, such like abject depictions of uh, suffering. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, most games would not have the balls to have like characters pleading pleading to you the player to spare them like they're crying and being hysterical like you know as they saw their friends be grisly murdered like no game of recent memory in terms of like a grounded realistic experience that i can think of that will is making these npcs these you know computer created entities behave human-like you know most of the time an npc is a blank slate that gives you a quest and says you know blah 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 and you know the animations are like pre-done and done like uh, like with the assistance of the 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 computer like these characters that you fight against in the game are like they feel as though like they had their own little story in the in the grand scheme of things like and you just personally ended their whole story like it it, i cannot think of a game especially in the last five years that had the willingness to go so extreme in certain places i mean obviously the violence in this game is one of the sort of immediate striking things but like to depict a character that is despicable in ellie like i most most player characters that you play as have like a heart of gold deep down like there's no quote unquote like there's no like questionable protagonist if you will in games they're all like vessels makes, for you ellie makes a choice that is beyond the pale over and over and that's something that like you know you because you're trained to love her from the first game because of your position as Joel and understanding her as the thing that you're fighting for, you're, you want to love and forgive her. And she just keeps making these choices where you're just like, you're just fucking it up for yourself and everyone else that you love. And it's, and it's like, it's so frustrating, but then the more and more it happens, the more like tragic and nihilistic it gets where it's just like, Oh, this is just the path she's on. It's like, by the time you're in California, like it's just, it's so it's been over for so long. You're just wondering how it's finally going to end. Yeah. And this, the California segment comes after she sort of like gives up her quest of revenge and she settles down with Dina and the babe, you know, Dina's baby. And they live their little cute life on the farm. But like Ellie still can't let go of this, and she leaves behind her girlfriend, the child, the house on the on the farm. She like leaves everything it... she could ever want. Yeah, like I think it's. I had a point there. I kind of lost track. Uh, like I, uh, I could jump in real quick because I just yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I think it's really impressive that they are willing to give the character so many outs and this is something i've seen criticized even by people that like it is that they they give the character like a bunch of outs mm-hmm. and then she never takes it she always says like no i'm going to do the worst this. thing and th- and there's this there's this aspect also that like of joel as like a masculine character or whatever that i think beautiful joel 
beautiful Joe. Listen, and He's... let this let this be said: he... both Boof and uh, Fella are hardcore hardcore Joel heads. Would do yeah. anything for Joel. Listen, Listen, I would. Joel Joel speaks to specifically our our sort of ideal taste in men. Uh, and it felt very traumatic to have my like virtual daddy be murdered by a golf club. He uh, seemed too much, and I would personally kill every single person in Seattle for Joel. <laughs> I listen, Ellie, <laughs> Ellie is so me, you know. So uh, get it, it's but, <laughs> to but I think what people there's a great criticism by a guy that you know you were watching beforehand but i had seen this video it's by a guy named nakey jakey and he was talking about the game design and how the game does not allow you to sort of have a choice in the matter you know the game does all these grisly things and cutscenes and grit you know you don't have the choice the game doesn't like present sort of a vagueness or grayness within sort of the gameplay it's like you are just a brutal psychopath and you have no choice in the matter. Like, what's the point? It doesn't hit hard sort of thing, which I can understand in some cases. Like, I understand that argument, but this is this is a dictator linear experience that is not here to sort of give you leeway. You have, you are for, like, to get this experience, you have to do unspeakable things throughout the entire game, not just exclusively with ellie with abby too like it in order to unforgivable things constantly to see the the plot of the last of us too yeah which neil Druckmann knows you want to you you pay pigs you want to see this experience because you nest little bitch you're gonna press x yeah you're like i i i don't know if it comes from a point of view of people just not understanding a linear experience anymore because we have the ps4 generation was full of a lot of games that were very they allowed for player freedom in the sense you could approach situations in terms of combat freedom or exploratory freedom or sort of choice driven in the story like an rpg i don't know if gamers understood that like you could have like a breath of the wild extreme openness to everything you do but on the flip side, you can have a very, you know, fascist linear experience where you don't get a say in the matter. And this is the biggest sequel of this time. And do you want to see the story? Well, guess what? You're going to have to drive the knife. You have to drive the, a, a knife into a pregnant woman, you know, toward, you know, to get like that story beat, or you have to experience like a, an entire island be set ablaze as you're running through seeing people get grisly murdered like we like neil Druckmann. i know everyone wants to hate him they think he's like a dick a dickhead a sh- you know an asshole uh full of himself guy but it's like i think he understood almost like a meta aspect to the hype and release of the game itself where it's like he knows that Last of Us 2 is the most demanded sequel for the PlayStation probably of the last 10 years. He understood that people will sit through an experience, no matter how intense it is, to see the story of Ellie. And he's like, okay, how do I present Ellie and how do I present an experience that is so 
abject in the things that you're forced to do. And I feel like he revels in the fact that he is making you do, uh, you know, you know, Ellie, like to, to list off things Ellie does, you beat a woman to death as she's being slowly infected. Uh, you beat her to death with a, a lead pipe. You stab a, a pregnant woman in the neck. You, uh, like uh other i'm trying to you you stab you know she does a lot of stabbing uh she does a lot of neck she, stabs she specifically really does love to like uh take someone's neck out so but yeah. you see so many people just like gush out their life <laughs> out of their neck yeah like Ellie came up behind them and stabbed them a bunch me- meanwhile i think abby minus the joel scene abby seems to use like her fist or her guns like more she's much more abby hum- is Abby is way more fist centric. Very true. Yeah, she's you know she likes to use you know her guns, but she likes to use her guns, you know, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but like, you know, sure, like the like Ellie's pocket knife was kind of like a thing she had in the first game, but it's like Neil Druckmann understood. It's like, huh, I'm gonna make Ellie a psychopath. What's the more like inhuman way to kill people? Oh, I know, stab them in the neck and watch their life bleed out, and they're gasping for life. It's like he completely understands that like Ellie is like you said, like the, the all saint perfect little angel. And it's like, what if I just trickstered my way into making her like literally Satan? Like it, I I love the ballsiness to just turn the defining, the literally front of the box character of the last of us one and say, how do we make her more or less a reflection of her father or her, surrogate father and how do we sort of redo the first game's plot with abby Levin yara and it's like well hey like abby or ellie goes down the abby path but like ellie doesn't see or realize like how abby sees like she sees a light out of the way to santa barbara on catalina island and it takes Ellie losing practically everything, her relationship, her father figure, her uh, her best friend and Jesse, the, the biggest wet blanket of the entire game. Uh, like, Je- yeah, Je- Jesse. Wait, to... wait, who the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Don't you remember the lovable guy, Jesse, who is like in 10 minutes of the game and like all he amounts to is being like, oh, I got your back, Ellie. And that's like all he does. Like, What's Ellie's girlfriend's name? Dana. Dina. 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 Is that, uh, wait. So the guy that knocked up Dina. Yeah, Jesse's the one who <laughs> fucked Dina, and she bears his child. And so, like Ellie and Dina have their wonderful adopted le- lesbian relationship on the farm. Oh, it's. Classic. I mean, it's kind of a sleigh. I mean, uh, this. <laughs> I mean, I. <laughs> When when surrogacy is like a really outside of the box like thing, it's like no, it's like no, we're still getting our uh, our unlikely baby from like you know and yeah, you know, Jesse, yeah, Jesse, who is like trying to be the ultimate white knight, like for his like ber- precious babes, gets like brutally killed in the in Seattle. Sh- the second he showed up in Seattle, I was like, "You're so dead, dude. Oh, so <laughs> you should not have come here. Way, way, way bad. No, yeah, no, don't. No, no. <laughs> it's like, I just, I, I, Jesse is such a nothing character in the story. Yeah. Like, I, he is more or less there to just like exist. And I just like, 
I I kind of chuckle. I I kind of chuckled when he just shows up in Seattle. It's like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? You're like, like you're not even a chance. If all these characters have so many, you know, uh, terrible moments coming their way, like you are just not even gonna make it out of Seattle. Yeah, you're not a girly. You're not Abby. No, or, uh, oh, you're or not Ellie. giving boots, James. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the fuck your name is. <laughs> but like. Um, but so, so, but the thing that like <laughs> I, I I really love they did with Ellie as you were talking about is the like giving Ellie so many chances and this is the thing I see YouTube essayists to get on that uh thing yeah to see them like constantly mentions like you know there's so many opportunities where Ellie was like at a moment of realization and then she didn't realize it well it's like she's not and it's like it's not the it's point. Like, fuck- it's like fucking tragic myopic thinking. It's like the, the whole point is that she's obsessed and she can't re- recognize all these points of no return. She keeps transgressing. And it's like, that's why she's a tragic figure because you're seeing these things that like, she probably would recognize as like, this is too far. Fuck. This is too bad. I can't come back from this. No, and she sh- keeps pushing she's a, forward. She's a selfish bitch. Like, Okay, and so this is and this is a separate thing from Last of Us One from Two that I do can articulate is that in the pivotal scene of Last of Us One, so in the end of Last of Us One, uh Ellie is in the hospital, you turn on the fireflies and you fight your way through the hospital, you get an automatic rifle for the first time, it becomes this like Max Payne-esque shootout, <laughs> and you like you rush through the hospital, you get to the operating room, and then she's on the table. There's a few doctors and you you are given this, you're in this room. You cannot, you're still in charge of the character, but you can't leave. You have to either, I think the option is like you can either shoot or do a quick time event to like stab him or something. And basically you can't get out of the interaction without killing the guy. So you're like technically in control, but can't get out of the interaction without killing him. The Last of Us 2 tends to do this thing more where you're in a cutscene, and if there is a quick time event, there's no option. It's like Mm -hmm. you're doing the thing, and it's like if you want to be a part of the story, this is what you're going to do. And that, I think, is actually more impactful. And the place it falters is that, like, battle is the the boss fight where you're Abby trying to fight Ellie. And this is the thing Mm -hmm. that gets brought up a lot is that, like, oh, well, you know, you've built up such a relationship with Ellie. How could you possibly want to kill her even with the little bit amount of time you've had with Abby? Mm -hmm. This is a mistake. And and it's brought up often that you can't let Abby fail. And I also tried this. I was like, what if I let Abby fail? Mm -hmm. Because I want Ellie to win and to end this shit already. Um, And they should have just had an extra ending there. Yeah. Would have been easy enough, right? Wouldn't it just been like, okay, here's a way to satisfy you just doing this one pivotal moment if you're gonna make it a gameplay thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I yeah, I mean, it would have been extra bold if they did that. If Abby if Abby did die in that boss fight, if that ended a if that was a separate ending, I think that would have been extra bold, but I I I understand that criticism of like sort of the dual converging stories that are sort of happening at the same time. And you spend the first half of the game as Ellie with the goal of kill Abby. And then you are given the sort of story of Abby's side of the story. And it's, it's kind of like, why can, why do I get this fail state and get to retry as Abby in the boss fight? But I, 
it might be like considered a weak excuse to like continue like hammer home the point of Ellie's descent into darkness. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I kind of wish they did, but at the same time, I understood why they did it. It's more or less. At that point, you're so far in. Like, I I get not wanting to have to program all the extra shit for that. Like, oh yeah, I mean, uh, game programmers, logistically, yeah, game 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 programmers, the shit they have to do is insane already. Like, I I to ask them to do another ending, especially like with a game that has infinite Sony money behind it and is banking on being a monster success i understand why they didn't do it but it would have been kind of like shocking if they just ended the game right there and all that but i think it only serves to like emphasize and shine ellie's story you know it in many ways like it is an ending you know when you get through the boss fight and all that and Abby decides to spare you for a second time, mind you. She she gives you an out at the beginning of the game saying you don't like she leaves you alive in the confrontation with Joel killing Joel. And she she let have killed you there logistically, like, like in they, this world, that makes sense. Yeah, but she gave you an out and you of course Ellie doesn't take it. She doesn't and then, take any of the like 10 to 20 outs she's given, and that's what makes people so mad because she just keeps pushing forward. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. Like, I, that's a fair, that's totally fair. Like, people wanted this sort of level of choice. They're just like, you know, why can't I do this thing that, like, ends the game? Like, why am I sent down the, you know, the river of Hades through death? It's like, well, that, this is the point of the game to force you into these utter despair, uncomfortable experiences and I think by having this second instance of Abby sparing you because, you know, Lev tells you to spare her, I think just reinforces everything we know about Ellie. You know, we we come into this game thinking of a certain way about Ellie, but deep down, she is no better than her than Joel. She's arguably much worse. You know, she murders all of Abby's friends she's basically threatening lev at the very end you know when lev's passed out unconscious in the boat and all ellie wants to fight like a skeleton you know who just simply wants to get away from it all and you know i can't help but commend the sort of dedication to depict a character the char a character that you have to play three I would say at least 66% of the game as to have the sort of balls and artistic vision to force a player to endure all of this, I think should automatically make this game fantastic. Like let alone yeah. all the sort of extra details that they put inside of it to make you play as a awful person, a genuinely evil person. And it, you have a, no say in the matter. Yeah, so in a way that, like, in GTA, you can be the person who gets a prostitute, kills her in a dark alley, takes her money that you just gave her, 
whatever, you could be a bad person in an open world game. That does mm-hmm. not have the same weight as when you have no choice but to be. When all the people who think themselves morally superior than X person, whatever, who have like a lot of more sto- moral storytelling about themselves are forced to experience a like a fiction piece that uh-huh. has you implicated, but not in a way where it's like, oh, well, you know, it's a little weakest when you'd be like, oh, well, you know, you like any you know, of the spec ops the line thing where it's like oh well you killed all those people and it's like well yeah that's what the game is and yeah this, and the thing is this doesn't do that because it doesn't really comment on the amount of people you kill but more in that the ways you like turn away from good things or from things that you could like outs basically it's like it's you turning away from the outs of the violence that is the yeah. thing that is like condemnatory you you constantly have an out because dina has her pregnancy sickness early in the game and it's like there's your out like you, the you person reasonably say this isn't worth let's go back yeah but the game the game is not it stands in contrast to every game that sort of presents sort of a moral choice or a choice in of itself about how you want proceed to th- how you want things to proceed and you know i guess this this game is such a great contrast from the last two episodes where it's like two games that are all about sort of your choices and the effects on the world this game gives you no choice and you have to go with ellie this monster and you have to sort of see how she's ruining, you know, the lives of so many people, not not alone just Abby herself, but like the people who knew Mel or Owen or Nora or uh, Jordan or, you know, all the, or basically anyone, uh, any one of uh, Abby's friends. Like, think of the consequences that come from those characters dying, like. Ellie is more or less just like ripping apart the sense of community that the WLF have because she's just hell bent on revenge. And rarely do you see a game that like is so willing to not give you that it presents an out, but your character does not see the out. They have a single track objective and this game doesn't end until you quote get it and i guess you know to bring in the ending the end you know the ending was also a very controversial thing outside of you know fighting abby one more time the fact that ellie does not kill abby you know people are just like well i spent 20 hours fighting you know trying to kill abby and the game says you don't get to kill abby that was like a massive controversial thing when the game came out imagine what type of person would find that satisfying because the whole point is like this game is not satisfying. Yeah, this game it... is not to make you feel good, like you fucking won the prize, whatever. This game is a slog through the worst night of your life where you kept making bad choices it... and hurting the ones you loved, and you ended up alone and you know on an island bleeding to death. It makes me think of the fight. I mean, obviously, I've seen things in pro. I mean, I've seen things worse in Last of Us Two than the irreversible fire extinguisher scene but it's like you know this game is like you said it's not about giving you what you want it is about making you suffer and to not get the one thing that you have spent 20 plus hours trying to achieve it it's 
amazing, but also it makes sense within it. It's like Ellie had to go through hell, crossing a good chunk of the country, losing her girlfriend, losing her her baby, losing her friends, losing, you know, Tommy, you know, Joel's brother becoming bl half blind and a cripple. Like it takes all of this to finally wake her up and say, this was not worth it. You know, what have I done? I have lost everything. And what will killing this one person who just wants to go away? You know, I think just, it's, just it's a moment. wants an out that I was given a million times. Yeah. She wants the out that is clearly presented to her. Like her goal when she sees the out is to, you know, to flee the WLF with Owen on the boat with Lev, you know, Mel, Lev, you know, blah, 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 you know, the, the wonderful diverse cast of characters of uh, Abby. When she's presented an out, she wants to get that out. And you have this like totem of destruction that can't ever get, take the out when it is presented to her. But she finally wakes up and says, I lost everything. What will killing this one person do? I've lost more arguably going on this insane madman journey uh, than, you know, like I've lost more on this path than just simply like dealing with the loss. Like I, I really can't think of a game that is so driven to tell a specific story to feed you down a funnel like this. It's, it, I mean, I guess it's controversial to say maybe nowadays still, but it's like no game has this level of commitment. They would chicken out. They would do all this sort of stuff to say, you know, I we wouldn't do that. That's too much. That's too much. You know, that's too extreme, blah, blah, blah. Uh, uh, I, I'm just like, talk. It's like I, I we you and me have a lot to say, but we're also kind of left speechless by a game like this. It, it's really crazy and so to people who say it's like it's oh it's just a it's also just a death drive there's so many moments of as you were saying like it's extreme it's extreme also in like how sappy and how earnest it can be like in those like like guitar moment things and like in that there's this like um uh the the motif of like the person who's lost it all and only through that like at like the rock bottom narrative or whatever like that kind of western trope is so what ellie you know what joel that would never want ellie to go through but who like like you know when someone older than you is like watching you do something self-destructive or hazardous to yourself but because you're not through it yet you can't you can't like move past it without going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's like exactly what Joel, as the father figure, never wanted Ellie to go through, and she just went through just like so much. And by so much, I mean so many human people she killed and dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the bear, not not, not, not bear. bear, oh bear. <laughs> like, uh, it's amazing how like. I feel like everyone's parents always tell you it's like we want to try to avoid you experiencing things that are hard, but it's like, I guess you have to learn. You have to learn and to properly understand what we were saying. And I, you know, 
to have Joel want to get Ellie away from this sort of life, this sort of living as like looking over your shoulder, not trusting anyone driven by, you know, just dark emotions. Like he tries his best, but he can't, he can't get her out of it because that's what she saw. Like, you know, it's, you know, the, the people always meme on this game. It's like the cycle of violence, you know, is blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Like it rings true in this game. And, you know, it it's just raw. It's raw gamer emotions. And to another fucking video essay ass nitpick of this that I saw multiple times that as we're saying is now totally consistent is the fact that like Joel would never be caught by a invading force. Oh my god, blah, I hate blah. that. I hate that oh, argument. He's too he's too like, you know, tactically aware. He's aware of his surroundings and wouldn't be caught in a situation saying his own name. I First hate... of all, shut the fuck up. Second of all, <laughs> he's like 50, he's he's like fifty five or something in the game. Like, it's give also him a totally consistent that he is after making this choice that he realizes he's damaged the one relationship in his whole life he actually cares about. Still making this choice, he then regrets it, thinks about it forever, tries to open up, tries to become more. Um, a family uh, man. A family man. A, a man who's doing right by his, you know, adopted daughter, whatever, like, which is what he's always wanted to do. And having a place like Jackson where he could do it. Uh, finally, a place where his suspicions, his paranoia would be susceptible just to infected, where maybe they had had not a run in with hostile outside groups for a while. So, you know what? It's not that fucking totally inconsistent. It fits right in with the rest of the themes. Idiot. Speak you on it. You shouldn't play the fucking game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I hate I hate these like <laughs> like they 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 these like wannabe writers for games. It's like, well, if I was in charge, I wouldn't do this. Like, well, okay, they well, always have a like a like script doctor thing. Yeah, it's like they went. Oh, what to, I would do instead. They, they they yeah they went to college, <laughs> took a creative writing course, and be like, well. Time to bust out the the pen, the teacher highlighter and tell. Let me tell you what's wrong with this game. You know that clearly, like clearly sticking to a, a post <laughs> to a structure that is too too common. Must mix it up with some more <laughs> yeah post structural uh, analysis. <laughs> yeah, it's I got I hate I hate everyone who just like wants to think they are smarter than the game because it's like well i wouldn't do that it's like well um she did yeah she 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 lived she tore she served cunt like listen you may not have served she fucking served you may not have spun wig (laughs) but she twirled and that's the fact of the matter so i'm sorry and i can't take it back okay literally uh i think i think Facts don't care about your feelings. Abby, <laughs> Abby served cunt and twirled with her special transgender. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what we're saying is Ben Shapiro would love this game uh, <laughs> or something. I don't know. I, uh, but but I, I... <laughs> okay, I, and I'm sure you're gonna have a a, a rep of some of some sort. But I just I want to say that this game, while being something that I normally the type of game I wouldn't really be invested in is so special in the way that it is so at the beginning of the conversation you said right 
bold. It is making choices that seem completely illogical for the scope and budget and anticipation and like the hype, like the hype machine had never been so confused as mm-hmm. to when this came out, it, it, it really fucked it up. And honestly, it may have never recovered. Like this might've broken hype forever mm-hmm. for video games. Like it really felt like as a pinnacle of like people were the most excited and maybe this or kingdom hearts three, I don't know which one I either, but uh, it, it really said like, you know, you can't put all these expectations into something when it's like, you have to receive a game as a, a piece of media to then, you know, take in or do whatever you do with media. Like you don't have to, you know, have to identify with it, but like, I personally want to experience something mm-hmm. interesting and well curated and artistic and extreme sometimes. And The Last of Us 2 is extreme and artistic and special and challenging and beautiful and such a gem. It is the special transgender of video games. The Last of Us 2 is my special transgender where it's like a little problematic and i'm not going to get into like all the details but like i love it and i'll seriously go to bat for it for any of the things it's done problematic or not (laughs) honestly i i plan to have a wrap up but honestly i think you summed up every feeling i have about it as we call this episode uh a close so uh uh, i want to thank you taylor for let finally i think we put the final stamp on this game that it sorely needs you know so that people can stop shut up about it and no one ever needs to talk about the last of us too it's been done yeah like we we, i think (laughs) i think we did it but i i want to thank you for embarking on this massive uh uh challenge and i would think that is time for the recording to stop